Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, the final Mythgard Movie Club of the 2018 year. Very excited to be here and have you all here. Um, talking about Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, I guess we'll go uh, start by going around our panel and introducing ourselves. Um, I'll start. I am Kat Sass. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Mythgard Movie Club. Um, my other co-host, Curtis Wyant, is uh, running our slideshow tonight, but he's not joining us for the discussion. Um, so uh, in addition to the movie club, Curtis and I also run uh, Cat and Kurt's TV Review, which is a speculative TV podcast that we do. And I also uh, volunteer for uh, Signum University in Mythgard um, part-time as well. So everybody else, would you please introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Emily Strand, um, and uh, who am I? Sometimes I take Mythgard classes and I really enjoy them. Um, and uh, what else do I do? I write stuff down about movies and books that I watch, and I, I have published many of them um, on uh, hogwartsprofessor.com, and now I am writing my own blog called Liturgy and Life, which is about liturgy and life. And I also teach world religions to nursing students. The end. Kelly, go ahead. I'm Kelly. Um, I've been with Mythgard and Signum for a um, few years now. I am doing my thesis. Um, I've always been a fan of Harry Potter, um, grew up with Harry Potter, and uh, Lord of the Rings, and I'm really excited to talk tonight about Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I'm Brenton Dickinson. I'm a faculty member at Signum University and a few other schools. I'm finishing up a PhD on C.S. Lewis and spirituality, and um, I'm really just kind of coming in here as as a fan um, of of this and and someone who's fascinated by the world that Rowling has built over the last couple of decades. So yeah, 25 years really, I suppose. Yeah. It's getting up there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we have a couple quick announcements uh, next, if my memory serves. So Accio announcement slide, as Curtis told me to say. Um, so moots coming up for next year. Um, I have, uh, I think, pretty good intel that um, information and registration for the big um, myth moot should be posted uh, early in the new year, like around January 1st-ish. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And then uh, there's a bunch of new moots coming up in 2019 um, in Orlando, Florida, the Netherlands, um, Amherst, Massachusetts, and New Zealand, which sounds amazing. And I definitely want to keep my eye on that. Um, if anybody doesn't know already, spring classes are open for registration and will continue to be open. They start, um, I think January 14th is the start date and registration um, is open now, but is always open for two weeks um, past the start date of the semester. Um, I know our sorting hat would like me to tell you that the earlier you sign up, the better to help you get into the best preceptor section possible. So encourage everybody to take a look at the spring classes. Um, and 
Finally, uh, through December 24th for Christmas, we have um, a special anytime audit gift certificate um, promotion going on right now, um, which are $75, which is pretty good bargain. And you can even give them to yourself. Um, once, you, once you have the code, we really don't care who accesses it. So um, for yourselves, for your friends and families, this is a really good stocking stuffer. So uh, take a look at that. The gift that keeps on giving. The gift of education. <laughs> More can you ask for for Christmas? Okay. Um, final announcement. Um, we have the winners after a you know bloody battle. Um, you know we finally have the uh, final slate uh, for our 2019 movie club. So uh, some of these were pretty down to the wire. I was really keeping an eye on the Shining Solaris. Uh, fight which went the other way. The Shining was in in the lead for a long time, and then there, was, you know, the Black Horse came up. So yeah, in 2019, we're going to talk about uh, the 1960s musical Camelot. Um, we're going to talk about Solaris, the original Blade Runner, and Blade Runner 2049, which should be pretty fun to do those back to back. Um, the Fifth Element and uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which is a particular favorite of mine. So looking forward to those. Don't have exactly the order figured out yet, but the first uh, movie that we talk about will definitely be uh, the end of January. January uh, 31st is the first session. So we will keep you guys posted on the schedule for those. Good. All right. So want to kick this off um, with kind of a general icebreaker for you guys. What were your impressions and expectations for this movie? Were you excited? Were you kind of blah about it? Were you more or less excited after you saw the first movie? What were you kind of going in expecting and how did the movie sort of live up to your general expectations? Well, I had, I, I don't know. I, I think I had, I actually really enjoyed the first one. Um, and I heard such mixed reviews, like just total pop, like polar opposite reviews almost on this film. Um, there's a lot of, uh, like fans really liked it, but critics didn't. And then some fans didn't like it. And then some critics, did, like, I don't know. I just, I, I did, went in with pretty low expectations and therefore was pleasantly surprised, which is pretty much my favorite way to see a movie um, because I hate the opposite. Um, I think there were some things that definitely disappointed me and definitely um, I think should have been left alone and not done, but that's just me. But uh, I think because I had such kind of like, okay, it could be terrible or it could be good. Um, it, it enabled me to enjoy the parts that I did enjoy all the more, so. For me, I think I was a little bit pleasantly surprised because of those bad reviews. It took me a couple of weeks to watch it too, so I heard lots of things about it before going in. Okay, so you didn't go right away. I didn't. No, I I saw it maybe a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. Okay, wow. Yeah, I saw it um, Sunday or Monday, yeah, Saturday. So yeah, we we waited a long time, but I I heard nothing about it. So that, that was how I dealt with that, is I just closed my ears and I didn't go on the internet for three weeks. Um, and it's, it's sort, of, sort of, I mean, yeah, like 
I don't know. I, I guess I just choose to like, um, you know, things in a sense. Like, uh, um, we will. I'm sure we'll get to the problems. Uh, the first film for me, the first Fantastic Beast one, was a problematic and beautiful and interesting and fun film uh, that I quite liked. Uh, and granted, all the things that we basically trashed about it uh, last time we got together and and this one you know it's the same just not as strong a film it's not um i don't know like a brilliant novelist does not a screenwriter make and this is a this is an example of a novelist who uh, is trying to be a screenwriter and they really just need a team of screenwriters to 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 write after she writes a great novel, which she could do, I think. So that's <laughs> that was maybe a little heavy-handed, but that's my thoughts. So, mm -hmm. so, but I mean, I like I paid like whatever it costs, a hundred dollars to go to the movie, so I, I'm definitely gonna enjoy <laughs> that thing. So, um, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I don't go to the movies very often at all, um, and so I was excited. I was excited partly because I was going with um, my favorite local Harry Potter friends who I also do Harry Potter trivia with were called Granger Danger TM actually because another team showed up with that same name one time and we were like Granger Danger TM um so the original uh so I I, I didn't I hadn't heard anything yet I was kind of open-minded I actually really liked the first film while acknowledging some of its problems um I I did really enjoy it and it was I found it very entertaining um and you know, it was funny, this film, I sat through it making a lot of cynical snarky asides throughout <laughs> the entire film. Like, I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't expect to do that. Maybe it's just my current state of mind or something, but I was just questioning everything. And, um, and also um, very confused. Uh, I, have, I have a lot of questions. Tonight, I think my main role is going to be asking questions in the sincere hope that you all will answer them for me because sure. I'm very, very confused about a number of things. Um, and so uh, I did pick up the screenplay. I, it was, I was walking through the library um, this week and it was there was a stack of them there and I, I noted that they were not flying off the shelves. So I decided to take one home and um, and I've taken a brief look at it, and it does help with some of the confusion. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so, but I mean, all in all, I did, I did enjoy the film. Most of the time with films, I think they're too long, and I think this one was definitely too long. Um, but, but I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed, you know, one of the things I enjoyed most was um, Jude Law's performance uh, as Dumbledore. That was one of my favorite things about it. So, yeah, about about the Jude Law. I mean, Jude Law. Like, come on. You know. Anyway, it's, it's sort of a theological man crush here. But like, what? Like, uh, it was it too long? Or like, if you think about it from a plot point, right? All the things that, all the twists. It was about forty-five minutes too short. I think. Like, like, isn't that one of the things that's like? You know, and then and this, and then this, and then that. Like, there's no yeah. gorilla quest as there is typically in in kind of her films, and um, so that's why I think it's disorienting because we we never get. Yeah, I guess the films in general. The, the I miss in the Harry Potter films. I miss the everydayness of school, um, mm -hmm. 
and uh, eating and and celebrating and sleeping and yeah. complaining and just like the, the the class time and and that's it's like this it's like we're getting kind of we're getting a three-hour film but just kind of skipping bits along the way i suspect there's three hours of footage um and they dropped it because they didn't feel like it was tenable yeah um chris swank sent me an article uh I think it. I think it was on Hogwarts Professor. Somebody cataloged going through every um, interview and clip and trailer and compiled all the evidence for the missing scenes. Um, so scenes that we have some evidence that they were either written or shot at some point and cut out. And um, I mean that's typical, I think, and especially in these kind of big blockbuster franchise movies that there's a lot on the cutting room floor, but. Um, you definitely do get the sense that you're missing something. I mean, and, and that's true from the screenplay as well. I mean, Emily said like some of the screenplay clarifies certain questions. It certainly explains certain things that are confusing when you're watching the movie. Although that's not so much, like I think that's a problem. Some of this, th there are logical leaps that are being lost in translation of exactly how and why a character gets somewhere and does something and makes a decision. So some of that is what they're cutting and some of it is, I think, a failure of translation to the medium. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the, the movies, the Potter movies themselves always had that sense of a Cliff's Notes um, experience. Yeah. Like we're, and the movies have, you know, their, their own charm and Occasionally, they even add scenes that are that are pretty interesting and and fun. But it's very much like what you were describing, Brenton, of kind of jumping from plot point to plot point to get through everything as quickly as possible, not really taking the time to seed in the mysteries and really get to know the characters and yeah. um, have that sense of life and kind of mundanity behind it as well. But in 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 the Potter movies, what we got was. Like when, when they did that, then there'd be like an aerial shot of Hogwarts and the Hogwarts theme playing. And so then 10 things can ha be happening simultaneously, you know, mm -hmm. like Quidditch practice and, and, you know, I don't know, people in the quad or like in the yard or whatever, you know, animals eating each other, whatever. All that can be happening in about, you know, six and a half seconds of sweep, right? Okay. We, don't, we don't have the orientation in the world to, to okay. do this, right? And we move from thing to thing and... You know, uh, what's his name? Um, Natalum is that a, is that the name of the um, uh, the 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 wizard um, whose lead is br um, brother, I guess. So, oh, Yusuf. Yeah, sorry, Yusuf Kama. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. so like, like you know, he's showing up and he's doing like it's just like we're missing a lot of. I think they just thought he didn't really work on film. I bet there's there's got to be three more minutes of him because he's just we're just kind of jumping from his scene to his scene and, and he's sick and he's falling down and then he's in the room and then he's gone and he's holding people up by wand and right. it's just it's just uh, he's got a thing in his eye he's got a thing, got in, his thing eye. in his eye right with no with no context for why and how the thing you, i think <laughs> there's the one scene of him kind of in the bathroom putting an eye drop in and yeah, then yeah. and then he puts them in like their little dungeon in the sewer, and then he yeah. collapses. Yeah, and, and he's like, I "Oh, not now." 
<laughs> right. There's more to that story. I, I hope there there better be more to that story. Yeah, and where did they? What did they do with this evil parasite? Yeah, they give it. Yeah. They give it to I'm the baby. I'm worried Jacob has it now. Yeah. Because Jacob had it on the tweezer, and then he walks out, and then it's like just gone, and then he breaks Nicholas Flamel's hand like four times. Yeah. And you know what? What happened to the thing? Right. But see, if this were a Potter book, and I'm rereading them now. I would expect that to be paid off later on. You mm -hmm. know, the, the MacGuffin or the clue, the red herring, that seems like just a random detail that disappears and you forget about it. Surely by the end of the film or three films on, that's gonna turn up to be important. I don't expect that to be true in this case. I don't know I if anybody that, disagrees with me. Like, I think this wizard's toast. I don't think he worked very well. Like, and I mean, maybe the eye parasite is one example of that, but do we have the sense that things that don't make sense now are going to pay off later on? Is, is, are they crazy like a fox? Or is it that we have just random little bits of things that don't work and they sort of abandoned that and moved on to the next thing? I think one of the biggest things people were confused about was actually this the plot of this movie, I, mm. I think, um, and who was related to who and and what was going on. And like, I mean, there's so much exposition because I think they knew that moviegoers wouldn't understand what was happening and they, and they knew they had to explain it. And then it's not even explained very well, I think. Um, so I don't know, there's, there's two, there's two things, like there's the small things that may or may not show up later, and then there's the things that don't make sense, even in within this film. And so I can't imagine that there's gonna be the smaller things explained later because they didn't really even do a good job, I think, explaining the big things. Um, mm. I think that was one of this movie's biggest faults. If, like they don't make the, the other era, the era that, you know, say that like the Dan Brown films do where it's all explainy, right? Cause they've got this kind of, you know, complex intellectual structure behind it, the conspiracy theory world that they're hopping onto. And so then there's all these, oh, is that right? Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, could that really happen? Like, so there's not a lot of that in the film, but they go the other way. And so you get about 14, you know, words is meant to explain this entire shift that, 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 that takes place and, and, and why we're at a circus, cool circus. I don't know why we're there. And yeah. You know, and how does everybody in France know to go to the same spot? Um, you know, is that the only place to go in Paris is the circus? It, maybe it's the diagon alley, I guess. So yeah. That's yeah. what I figured. Yeah. But when so we walked in, I was like, are we, is it just always a circus in Paris yeah. in, in, uh, in magical Paris? And I think it's a Hobbiton cir circus. If you take a look at the dragon that kind of flashes into the sky, the fireworks dragon at the beginning of the circus scene uh, when Tina goes in and then kind of comes down into the crowd and there's a big banner in the back that looks like Bilbo's banner. I thought that was kind of an interesting um, uh, homage or just need to borrow stuff. I don't know what you know, accident, whatever whatever happens there. But yeah, so I guess that, that squares the diagonality of of Paris. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so usually I know this kind of stuff. Sorry, Kelly, what's that? Oh, oh, I just, I was saying I actually quite liked that. It, it reminded me of Diagon Alley 
but also like a speakeasy of the 20s or mm -hmm. um so like only certain people could go in um with certain people being wizards but also like it's a secret kind of circus and if you knew that it was happening you could go in i thought it was really cool i think the statue that like started moving was very very like original mm -hmm. harry potter um mm -hmm. yeah, lifting her skirts so yeah, that you can yeah, it was very suggestive. Very, she, yeah, that, she was loving that role too. She, she had that little <laughs> smirk on. She's like, yeah, it's, come on down. It's friends. Yeah. They're friends. There's something like a wink up to um, the moving statues when you go to cities, and there's always somebody dressed as like the Eiffel Tower yeah. who's like, still until you kind of realize that, you know, like I, I feel like it was kind of playing yeah. with that too. Yeah. And I then like for it. two bucks, you get a picture with them. Right. So. Right. <laughs> That's funny. I was just at a, a, a local library, did a big Harry Potter festival this Halloween and they had some of those moving statue, mm -hmm. um, at least one guy who was dressed in like, he had like all white, he was like powdered and like, and he was, you know, looked like a statue. And then you know, like you walk past and he moves or like taps you with his cane or whatever. It's cool. It's like, That's cool. It's definitely a Harry Potter sort of element. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's the, were there, with like, when you say Emily, that you kind of questions, are they actually plot points or are they character connections? I have so many questions. Yes, they are that, they're all those things. I have questions about motivations to me. Like, so obviously the design was beautiful. Um, you know, they, they're pretty good at that. Uh, you know, music is good as, as always. Uh, I actually liked uh, a lot of the characters as, as well. Um, but motivation is really where I want to talk about tonight at some point, just cause I didn't understand, or I don't know that they sold well, all the motivation moments in the film. So yeah, that's kind of, that's where my yeah. questions lie. So yeah. 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 They Go, go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say they had, going back to like, is this movie too short, too long? I think they had too many, it's it's all high plot, high action, high big character changes. And it's mm. too much going on in, in, in a film, I think. And I agree that character motivations, the things some characters said, like the I don't do sides from Newt, I thought was kind of, silly to hear from somebody. Um, and then of course, I'm sure we'll talk about Queenie, which just was so unconvincing. I thought Grindelwald himself was extremely unconvincing. And I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was very poorly done. <laughs> oh, that was the worst death of a character I've ever seen was Queenie yeah. and she didn't die, right? Just the, yeah. just yeah. like, it, it, I don't know. She was off from the beginning. Like I didn't think any of it was yeah. was good. It is um, a huge disservice to her in this movie. She was. I think she stole every yeah. scene in the first one. Mm. Just yeah, you know, I had issues with her. I, I liked her in the first film, but I remember the very first time you see her, she's like half naked, and strange men walk in, and she does not put her clothes on. <laughs> You know, maybe that's just really Midwestern of me to raise my eyebrow at that, but 
I put I, I put clothes on when strange men come by. But you know, I mean, this is the twenties. You know, like this is the twenties in in the United States. Like, is that really going to happen? I mean, so so I, I mean, there's something a little off about her. Nah, I I don't think I, was, I think her her response to that is like, don't worry. I know lots of men think that what you were thinking when they first see me. She hears those thoughts. She knows those thoughts. Like she knows that that's what's happening. I think it takes a lot to face her, which is why in this movie, I thought it was just a complete like change of character because she, when you can hear everybody and understand everybody so well, or at least, yeah, or at least hear them. I just think, I don't know. He just was, I think it just terrible. <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't, um, is it a we kill? Actually, we actually do have a slide about what I'm calling, quote, the main characters, which okay, it's great. a question to me if they're even the main characters. Um, and uh, if we keep going, keep going. Keep going. There we go. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the idea. Um, we're also getting some feedback, so if everybody can like check their earbuds and. Uh... I'm sorry, it's just looks like I have the stupid iPhone with the jack, the wrong jack. So I don't oh, know no. where my old phones are. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm well, hearing maybe... it. I even have my earphones in, so I, yeah. If, Would it if, help if I took them out? I don't think so. I think if, if people aren't talking, maybe put yourself on mute and then unmute. We can just experiment and see if see what'll fix it. Um, so I on the subject of Queenie, I like the idea of the, one of the, the kind of main characters or one of the good guys getting sucked into the Grindelwald sort of plot, you know, and kind of if, if we're gonna take his the seduction of his ideology seriously. Um, it's useful to have that, but maybe kind of what I'm hearing from the group is that was, was that not earned within this film? Um, cause I don't even know that I dislike the idea of it being Queenie per se. Um, but again, in, in the kind of rush to fit in the amount of stuff that happened in this movie, are there scenes missing on the cutting room floor that you know would have given motivation or or half steps that we needed to take in order to get her to that place? Because where I, I think what's what I'm struggling with is what is it about him that communicates to her that it's going to be uh, something that allows her love for Jacob to really flourish because that's kind of what it comes down to is that if with this guy in charge things will change um and i get that there's troubles with the way the current administration is handling muggle relations but what is it about grindelwald that's supposed to change that in her mind i think that's where i'm sort of struggling i have the same question i, I thought it was completely missing yeah, nuts. Like, I mean, like, like, like she leaves him for the sake of his love? For, like, being with him? Like, she leaves yeah. him so that she could be with him. 
so that she could theoretically be with him rather than actually be with him. So, right. yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, maybe we should just leave Queenie. Nothing fits. I think it's a, yeah. it's a error. Um, maybe they could have gotten us to that point. I think she's, you know, I maybe the mental breakdown of thoughts in her head is interesting or something, but, you know, they, she needed to be like an addict or something. You know what I mean? Like when she shows up with him all hyped up on Love Potion, they kind of needed to have like, she needed to need that or there needed to be some motivation, <laughs> right? So Lita, uh, Lita Lestrange is all motivation, right? So her whole character development is about motivation and choice. So great. So that we know that they can do this. What What's her motivation? And Queenie's is all over the place. I think it's just a mess. Maybe we should just, like, I don't know that we can add anything to what was just, I think, the biggest error in, in 10 films. Hmm. Um, Chris asked, and this, again, I think is from the Hogwarts Professor website, um, is Queenie out of her mind or crazy like a fox? Is there, again, with Rowling, who we, I think, all admit is quite adept at planting seeds and and misleading yeah. you with twists that don't pay off for years and mm. and entire novels and films later yeah. um do we see any pot potential that she's there as a double agent or a spy or you know is there uh ulterior motive going on here emily you look skeptical yeah, I, I don't know. I I, uh, I have to say the Queenie subplot or the Queenie, um, yeah, I guess it's the subplot. It didn't it didn't bother me all that much. Yes, I mean it's ironic in all the ways that we've, you know, you were saying, you know, she wants to be with him in theory more than she wants to be with him in reality. But and and that's but that's I think one of the sad ironies. Ah, I think that stuff does happen, and I, I didn't really have. A terrible problem with what how it went with Queenie, mainly because you know now I mean I know where the film is going to lead. My, the questions I have around that are: Are we going to get Queenie back in one film, or is it going to take all five um, for us <laughs> to get Queenie back for her to come full full circle? So that that's what interests me about that. Now I I I would say um, in critique of it that I saw it coming a mile away um, of <laughs> her joining joining Grindelwald. Um, you know, it was as soon as she sat down in the rain and was hearing all those voices, which, I, you know, that's another one of my myriad questions. It's like, what, does she always hear everybody's voices? Like, what was it about that moment where she was hearing all those, was it that they were in French? What, what, what was the problem with her hearing all those voices? Like, isn't that like a main, like, doesn't, isn't that just why she like stays home and hangs out in her, in her slip? You know, that she just doesn't want to hear people's, all these, you know, the, the voices on the street, you know, how far away that's does she I, have to be? Do they self-translate in her head? Is, you know, is it like the TARDIS? Uh, you know, what, I have so many questions about, about that, but. She's but a time god, really, you know, <laughs> it's, it's actually a secret. It's sort of an Easter egg moment. <laughs> uh, well, she's very good looking, so I suspect she'll be in two or three more films. Right. But will like, she be, you know, redeemed in them? Will she right, will right. she kind of come back to the side mm -hmm. of good and be a full, you know, or will this take until the fifth film? What are we missing with Grindelwald? So, so Grindelwald, 
I actually liked the so so if we compare like what Star Wars has done with the Hitler conversation, but basically kind of repainting the entire like the, the entire um, scene of Hitler speaking before the troops, right? So in this one, it's completely different. The the Hitler character, the Grindelwald speech, um, like the Reinstadt speech of 1940. This is the moment that you know, Hitler kind of pitches to the world, right? And he pitches this impassioned speech. And C.S. Lewis said that when he was listening to it for a moment, he was lost in the argument and that he could actually go with this person. And that's what we're supposed to get in this moment with Grindelwald. But he's like not, he's not a, you know, <laughs> you know he's not that. He's, you know, the reasoned middle way, um, uh, uh, you know, he, you know, he's not even a religious zealot. He's, he's. Here we are. Could you turn that back on, Gary? <laughs> I just got the lights turned out on me. He's a reasoned kind of um, character, and and because of that, we get this different feel. Did it work? I, I don't know. It makes the the. Um, Ministry of Magic look like extremists, right? So in sure. that sense, it works. Right, and I think there's something effective to, uh, I know it sounded like from reviews and chatter online that this rubbed some people the wrong way, but I thought the kind of glimpse of the Second World War was pretty effective. That, you know, for the generation of people who lived through World War One, you know, which was, the Great War, the war to end all wars, the idea of there being another war is a horrific enough idea to, you know, kind of fearmonger and and stoke the retaliation against, you know, against the Muggles. Again, to bring in Queenie, I'm not quite sure how you reconcile that with also sending the message of inclusion towards muggles that there'll be a place for them in you know I, maybe it's possible to send both those messages messages at the same time but i'm not quite sure that they that grindelwald successfully did that in the speech that we saw in the screen no um, but the, the fact that you just said a place right it's the it's the word that hitler used lebensraum living room mm -hmm. that that he went with the fact that it's actually we're under pressure and it's not that we're trying to really negate others at, at this stage right. it's that we're just simply trying to make a space for ourselves, and we we're the ones have, under threat yeah that's right yeah. we have a historical or divine or, or or scientific reason to be here in this moment and so i think the messaging is pretty close and the move is fairly close as well, but it's Hitler in 37 or 38, not Hitler in 27. But, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know if I don't know if it works. I don't. What would we need to hear to kind of be won over to the side of exclusion as an audience? And I think that's a a big gap that any storyteller has a challenge with. Is how do we empathetically move into the space of the villain in mm -hmm. this case mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to racism? And I felt like that subtlety wasn't even performed at all. Um, there was no moment where I felt any sort of like, 
oh, I can see how someone could see, hear what they want to hear and what Grindelwald is saying. There was not even a point of that for me. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, if you don't win over your audience, you're not going to, how can you win over a character and have that audience believe that character? Yeah. Right. Or if we could, maybe we know Grindelwald's the bad guy. There's no getting us on his side. But if right. you can get us on Queenie's side, that goes yeah. a long way. If you know, we, if towards... we can understand how Queenie would take it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's almost so like I, the... I hope that there's more of that of like they need they need to really build up her motivation and yeah. you know kind of have us in sympathy with her find mm -hmm. this a convincing and attractive sort of move. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like in the in the Star Wars prequels, you know. I mean, I think one thing that that they do the uh, Revenge of the Sith does really well is like you're right there with Padme. And you, you kind of have a front row seat to what's happening with Anakin. You're, you're there with Padme and you're there with Obi-Wan and you're mm -hmm. watching what's happening and you, you do have that ability to really get in their shoes. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that that was altogether here. Um, but if I can just ask one of my many questions regarding the scene where he projects the World War II stuff, what an amazing hookah he has. It's like, <laughs> It's a skull, it's a pensive kind of. It's I think a hookah. it's called Skull Hookah in the screenplay. It's called Skull Hookah? It's called Skull Hookah. What, of course, because what else is it? It's, <laughs> it's a thing where he, he spits his, his ideas at people, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's one of, one of the many ele magical elements um, that I was like, can we? Can we get the Pottermore entry on that sooner than later? Yeah. Um, I also I'm not don't sure, know. Yeah, I'm not sure it worked totally for me, but. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I also don't know how he was able to see the future. Like, I, we know that that's what happened in the 40s, but I. Oh, yeah. What's his machinery what, for that? Yeah. That's what I was. That's I thought that, too. I was just like, we just because we know that this actually did happen and we, we know it's truth. Like is this this is beyond any prophecy that we've seen in the world of harry potter thus far um and then be, to be able to project that prophecy to people when you're not a seer like i just didn't quite get that and i didn't know how that happened and he's he so skilled in yeah. Yeah, yeah right he basically yeah. is skilled in every single magical feat like that just i mean mm. But I know he's got the elder wand, but what are the parameters of this guy's power? You know, right? It just seemed un completely unstoppable. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in the first scenes, yeah. I was really excited because I, I kind of didn't quite get this the first time I saw it. I was just kind of along for the ride. But the second time, I actually went and saw it today at a matinee, and um, I I was really impressed in the first scenes because we're seeing not just Grindelwald's power, but we're seeing the power of the Elder Wand, you know, and, and all the, <laughs> the stunts that he pulls and the, and the filling the carriage with water from the river and just like really twisted, cool magic, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. for an evil guy, you know, but but then like, yeah, I'm, now that we're talking about this, showing them these future scenes, like, where is he getting, what's his, where's the footnote? Yeah. On that? Like, what's, where's that coming from, buddy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't actually, that's good. So I'm also reading with Kat. I think I'm just probably behind Kat um, in the fifth book, uh, reading through the Harry Potter. But th there's a point where, um, where someone says, you know, not everybody's made up of 
I think Sirius says it. And not everybody's made up of Death Eaters or ministry right. officials. Or something. I can't remember. Death right. Eaters. Good people, people and Death Eaters. Good people and Death Eaters. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and, okay, so, well, are we trying to complexificate that? Or are we actually, or is there actually something else going on? And and I think I think what Rowling's trying to do is actually is change the twin dynamic from mm -hmm. Dumbledore Grindelwald to Newt Grindelwald. And so there's moments mm -hmm. that that twinning takes place. So for example, uh, Grindelwald's holding a beast and is able to kind of soothe and communicate mm -hmm. with the beast, but then chucks it away. Right, and then we get yeah. the same thing with uh, the um, the same thing with Credence. Right, is a beast is a beast tamer. Right, and so Credence sits between Grindelwald and Newt right. on the question of beast. And the same thing that the the glowing skull shaped hookah, right? Actually, Newt uses a wand like kind of blowing gold dust kind of thing that's very similar. Mm -hmm. The circus in order to track the history of, of these things. And we're starting to see, and my, my and I have a question that we can either leave or, or, or we may not know the answer to, but we're starting to see this building of Newt's power. And he's very, very strong wizard. And uh, a building of Tina's power. Do we have, is this the twinning? Is this Newt's moving up towards Grindelwald as the, as the twin until Dumbledore is ready to show himself? Or is this... Mm -hmm just do we actually just have an uh inflation of magic uh right because mm -hmm. like fifth year at hogwarts is just so far away from anything that's happening here like wh what happens in a wizard's life between when they finish at age 18 and they can now get like a, a handful of newts and they can like you know repair an entire city yeah. in 10 Right. right, or 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 chase somebody's footprints across continents, or or whatever, right? Right. That's right. like, or build an entire world, like his zoo, zoo, cryptozoological world, right. right, in a suitcase. That's right, right. That's Many magnitudes of power that were. Mm -hmm. And so right. part of it is, to what extent are these things contradictions of the parameters of the magic as we know them from the books, or is it that? Well, the parameters of the magic of the books were school kids, and yeah. this is what grown-ups do, right? Um, so, Curtis, yeah. there's a slide in the beginning um, of the line about uh, you never met a monster you couldn't love, which I feel like is yeah. relevant to this question. Um, Go back one. Yeah. You had it a second ago. Because um, I feel like this this twinning and parallelism kind of works also with this this question of the two halves of this story like on the one hand these are the kind of magical this is the magical voyage of the beagle like we're with the you know the wizarding charles darwin as he discovers magical creatures and teaches us about them and on the other hand we have the kind of grindelwald dumbledore this is the you know wizarding history of the world wars and i i am still trying to figure out to what extent i feel like those two things are successfully melded in these movies um and then i think that's true within the characters as well like you know you never met a monster you couldn't love is clearly kind of playing with that duality like yes newt loves beasts but also like his ability to empathize with 
the monster in the human characters as well. So, you know, even within this movie, like we have the literal beasts on the right, we've got the human monsters on the left, people who do unconscionable things. And then we have those kind of in the middle that are, you know, Nagini and Credence are sort of halfway in between. They're sort of people struggling with their darkness, but there's also an aspect of the literal beast to them too. Um, so these are, thank you. Um, but I hadn't quite thought of it in the terms of, you know, Brenton saying like, it's still the twinning, but maybe the, not the characters we would have thought of. It's not necessarily the Grindelwald Dumbledore duology as much as Grindelwald Newt, the two halves of the story, how do we kind of reconcile them is sort of the question. One of the biggest things I think the original Harry Potter series is about, um, one of the biggest sort of underrated things is how, well, maybe not underrated because it, it, anyone who's read the novels ha has seen this, but how, how creatures are treated and how um, people, what's the quote from Dumbledore or Sirius? Um, those, you know, you can tell a lot from a person of how they treat those that are lesser than them. Mm -hmm. um, and that is actually huge in the Harry Potter series. And I think that that carries over in these movies. And I, I actually pretty strongly believe that she chose Fantastic Beasts with this in mind. Um, I think she very, I think J.K. Rowling very much wants to set up this duality of new treating characters or treating creatures uh, like he would any anyone, any human, any anybody in between, any beast. Um, and the, the, the caretaking side of Newt, I think is supposed to be um, very much contrasted with the using of people that Grindelwald does so much and the manipulation. Um, he quite, you know, literally and figuratively puts people in chains and Newt frees them. And I think that duology, mm -hmm. that uh, those contrasts are made pretty clear. And there's also something I noticed, couldn't help but notice. Uh, I think it's in the last few scenes, Grindelwald has this little green pocket square in his pocket. And I think, I, I can't see it as, as anything else than a direct correlation to Newt's bow treckle, his yeah, little sure. green bow treckle yeah. in mm. his pocket. And I couldn't, I just was screaming in my head that they're set up as contrasts. It, Grindelwald has this little green pocket thing in his, in his right, right on the side that Newt usually keeps and takes care of uh, his creature. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very kind of small but important thing I, I saw as a total mirroring effect for me at least. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I Kelly, think. Kelly, your thesis is on the beasts in Harry Potter, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, cool. It is. <laughs> yeah. And trying yeah, to figure out what these are. Yeah. When Nuke gives the blood promise to Dumbledore, the, the physical representation, the enjeweled blood promise or whatever it is, he does say, you know, um, Grindelwald doesn't value things that are small or that thing things that are too small. Like he doesn't understand things that are too small for him to value. So this is what we're waiting for, which we don't know yet, is the Sauron flaw in Grindelwald. We just, mm -hmm. we don't really have that. Um, right, we find out, and we don't find out 
you know, it's it's staying alive, right? It's life and death for for Voldemort, right? In the end, his bid to stay alive is what what ultimately makes him die, and he doesn't understand love, right? These are sort of some of the flaws. What's the what's the Sauron flaw in Grindelwald? And it, and and you, Kelly, may have, I mean that that if if you're right, that's what it's building towards is that he'll ultimately miss the smallest thing in his world that causes everything to unravel. So, mm -hmm. um, although we do know from other history <laughs> kind of how it goes down in movie five, I guess, mm -hmm. at, at least one scene in movie five we know about. But the, um, you know, but of course this could be just a gothic film, right? Like we're starting to see the trend. Um, we're seeing the twinning. We're seeing the relational splits. We're seeing the the two people, one people thing, and we're seeing blood as a center image. Once again, we have a whole series that's set up around the idea of blood purity and blood relationships, uh, and this one intensifies on blood relationships because it's all about who am I, <laughs> or a bunch of it, who am I related to, and, mm -hmm. you know, and how is blood connected to that. Um, and, and who did I choose, right? Yeah, and yeah. whose bloods on my hands and yeah. things like that. So, so, so it's uh, so those two things fit well into the gothic frame, actually. The blood mm -hmm. and the painting. Well, you guys are helping me answer one of my many questions, and um, a few of my questions relate to like why certain characters are in the film at all, and <laughs> a big a big one is is Nagini. Um, I have to say today when I was watching it, I was, I was like, so it's making more sense to me why she is in this film. Um, I'm not sure it had to be Nagini, you know, sure, yes. um, in terms of making that connection with the twinning and the monster within or whatnot. But, um, uh, but yeah, but that, that's, yeah. that's one area that I struggle, like, especially given the kind of controversy around the, her role and character and um having her played by an asian woman you know um but i i'm a, a little bit more sympathetic now to her her presence in the story i think now with I, the connections you're making that's one where i mean controversy aside at the end of the day five films later we may decide that that wasn't a well done decision for sure um but in terms of what it was the point of her in these movies, like what she's, what she contributing to the story. That's one where I feel like there has to be, there's going to be more. She yeah, has to talk to, this is, this was a prelude to some greater involvement down the line. Um, like I, I, I can't bad. see that there's any reason to introduce her with that name, with that history and not sort of have that, um, like with Dumbledore, she's really the main bridge to uh, the the Potter stories, yeah. right? Like the one character, maybe Nicholas Flamel as well. Like, you know, there's only a few characters that actually do appear later on. And he's on my list. <laughs> Nicholas Flamel is also on my sure. list of people. Yeah. I'm like, why are you in this movie? You have yeah. a house that it's is just safe. It's just on, and he's not there when they get there. That's and weird. So, That's and weird. why are why are we there? Yeah. And I, and I was confused. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's that was definitely one of those like we're missing something moments where oh wait they're in the safe house but they're not here. Who lives here? This is confusing. Whereas yeah. I feel like I've 
and I could be wrong. Flamel, I feel like to me was more of a cameo. Like here's a shout out to a character and a name that we know. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I feel like Nagini, I expect more from her in the later films. Yeah, and sure. partly because I'm intrigued by the fact that she ends up with the good guys at the end, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting her and Credence, you know, in Camp Grindelwald by the end of it. So the fact that there's this split, because there's so much in the promotion was the two of them together. Um, and because we know that she, at least in snake form, goes on to be aligned with Voldemort, um, I, I'm intrigued by the fact that she's, you know, for the moment, team Newt and Dumbledore. Yeah. It's almost like we're gonna see her go towards the dark side, as it were, and Queenie come back to the light side because we thought the opposite was going to happen, maybe in this, maybe not in this movie, but ultimately. Um, so I, I want, almost wonder if those are going to, going to be done at the same time or if they'll, if those timelines sort of will align at all or. Right. I'm really well, curious to see how that's going to happen. And that's, that's a very Potter thing to have the characters that look like one thing on the surface not do what you expect. You know, like Snake Woman goes with the good guys and I hate myself for comparing Queenie to Umbridge. But there's a, <laughs> but there's a lot of pink with Queenie. Yeah, and that's true. She's that's beautiful true. and she's pink and she's feminine and she's sweet. She seems to be good. She seems to be everything we like. And mm -hmm. she's the one, not Nagini, who goes off with, yeah. you know, Wizard Hitler. So I'm... She's manipulative, like, too. That, that's you know, very I'm, rolling. I feel yeah. like normally we don't see the the germ of that. It's like you. It's more like you meet a character and they're already established and then you find out they're not what you think. And it, I almost feel like she's playing with, like, what's the origin of that? How do these characters that don't... that What they are inside doesn't match the outside. How do they get to the place where when Harry meets them, he can make a snap judgment based on mm -hmm. what they look like on the surface, not really understanding what's going on underneath. That, that could be, though, a correction error that's taking place. And, and so I'm going to say something that's a highly complex discussion point. And the insides matching the outside, this is what our older fantasy authors love to do, right? You know, orcs are orcish right mm -hmm. and you know shrews are shrewish and and so on right and and that had a synchronicity and a beauty but now in our sort of class and race and body consciousness this is uncomfortable for us and i mean the, in a sense the nagini asian actress thing is is dumb and because the, the film's filled with different kind of cultural backgrounds and stuff so it's not like she was the only minority on a pasty white set. Um, <clears throat> but the, um, and if you actually watch the credits, the, the teams that have made it up are actually, fair, you know, the names are quite diverse in, the, in the, the teams of people that have made this film. But there is the question, do we match, you know, the insides match the outside? And in the Harry Potter books, you have the answer is often, but not always, and they're not always as critical. Mm -hmm. um, and the and so in some ways it's it's a you know um, umbridge is a toad right and a toady right. and 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 she's all those things and she is that but Hagrid is not you know unintelligent uncaring 
gruff and all those things. And so the, the knot is important, but it, it's always braced against the essentialism. Exactly. And um, I don't think she has the freedom to do that anymore in these films. And I think she's missing a place to put her feet in order to brace brace against, to give us the feint, to give us the pull away. I think she's lacking that kind of nice essentialistic moment um, there. So that's that's my thought. She might be overcorrecting a little bit because mm -hmm. she, I mean, she she took 15 years to write the Harry Potter books, but they were all written, you know, one in one hour in 1992, and they're all still there, right? And now she's not there. She's moved on. Mm -hmm. It's 2018. That's not that long ago. That's seven, however many years ago. And uh, yeah, 25 years ago. And so she, things have changed and she just can't do it anymore. And she may be overcorrecting a little bit in this case. Um, That's funny. Kat and I were just at the uh, Harry Potter, the Chestnut Hill Harry Potter conference. And we heard Lauren Camachi talk about physiognomy in, in Harry mm -hmm. Potter and, and that, you know, very, Victorian quality of associating facial features with personality traits yeah. and, and, you yeah. know, this kind of a specious, you know, uh, science of understanding personality based on uh, physical traits and, and how Rowling does. I mean, that was her whole thesis is that Rowling falls into this mm. uh, yeah. quite routinely, but you're right. I mean, I, there are, there are notable exceptions and I think that's where, that's where the real interest lies, but, but yeah, yeah she's, I mean, she, and she's not writing for children here. Um, no, and that was, these I, are adults. Yeah, th th that was a, a a structure she used to communicate, you know, personality traits, and 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 it was humorous as well. You know, I mean, it's it's funny that Umbridge is a toad face, you know, um, and their their comments, you know, it invites all these comments by the the characters, and um, you know, that amuse us, but it maybe in kind of a cruel way, really. Um, but it's also perspectival. Those books are are from the the harry potter trio right and right. and so they're largely told from that perspective yes. i think that makes a big difference you know yeah. i mean books versus film for one thing of of you know narrative description versus yeah. you know um, celluloid that we all kind of are in theory saying the same thing although even yeah. that's i guess up to debate but um but yeah like are, are these being mediated through a particular person's point of view um versus i think we tend to presume whether or not it's true that if we see a film what we're seeing is like the objective truth of the camera um yeah. the characters as they are on the outside not as harry experiences them yeah i think they're they're shaded film the books are shaded books at least the harry potter books i think the films I don't think they're conscious of that but they would be too based on the scripts i would love to sit down and read these films as 750 page novels where we have the time to kind of build up and mm -hmm. set the scene and and all that we don't have that what i do find interesting on essentialism so beatrix or Be, uh, beatrix lestrange uh, lady lestrange uh, which is an interesting family kind of trickle down that we have mm -hmm. uh, what's her monstrosity uh, Lita Lestrange's monstrosity. Yeah. That's well, that she killed her brother, right? But she, like, she—that's <laughs> not her monstrosity, right? And it's not, you know, it's it's not that she's rejected. It's not that she's black. Her monstrosity is that she believes she killed her brother. Yeah. And there are some subtleties, I think, in in the film, even if they sometimes kind of come off awkwardly, is that she makes this unnecessary sacrifice. 
Uh, well, it could have been necessary if she was powerful enough to do it, but she makes this unnecessary sacrifice out of guilt. Her monstrosity does get her killed. Mm. Her monstrosity is her own self-condemnation. And uh, and it's actually, it's it's interesting what Newt says, you know, it's not, it, you didn't mean to do it, it's not your fault. Well, that's not, that's not exact. And I, I'm actually speaking out of a, a place of knowledge here. I, I am, it's, it's, it's my fault in a certain way that my father and my baby brother died. I was the cause in a certain kind of way, but I wasn't the cause in a moral responsible way. Yeah. Um, and as a teenager, uh, right after that happened, uh, uh, you know, uh, of course I spun and it took people kind of bringing me in and explaining causation in new ways. Mm -hmm. And Beatrix or Lita never had that, that mentor, that person. Yeah. She lives in this energetic rejection of the other, and Newt is not able to win into her um, enough to make that change, right? And so she she lives with this false sense of causation. That's her monstrosity. If we could get that kind of complexity out of the the films, I'd be pretty pleased. So then I could know what Grindelwald, what he, what's going on, yeah. what's his thing, and mm -hmm. we may have that complexity with Credence once we get kind of get over the family issues is he's going to have all these forces to reckon with. He's still open, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe film four is like Creedence Clearwater Revival or something. It's, yeah. it's the, the focus on that. Um, I'm not sure he's the weapon or not. I mean, he's the nuclear bomb, right? This is what everybody's racing towards the A-bomb um, in the film. And I just don't know if he'll be it or not. So. Yeah. One thing I, I I hope we touch on is the way that the mirror of Erised is used in this film. Yeah. Um, because it like seems, memory. yeah, it seems like a departure. I, my first instinct was like, no, I don't want a pensive of Erised. No, I just, I don't <laughs> want that. I want that mirror of Erised to be what it is, which is something that shows you your deepest desire. But then when I was watching the film today, I, I was just, I had a little more, you know, chance to take in what was happening. And I mean, obviously he, um, his deep, his deepest desire at the moment is to reobtain that blood promise. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you only get that at the very end. You know, what he's looking at is, I mean, you know, is this, are we to presume from this that his deepest desire is is for this relationship to be restored? You know, this yeah. relationship. Well, his brother, his that, brother who? That's the ambiguity, right? Is, is it, is he looking at the, the blood pact or is it a return to the moment when that was made? Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, well, and or b both either, and it, yeah. it, uh, unable to separate the two, I think that's, I mean, I think that's deliberately ambiguous. I'm not saying you have to like it, but yeah, I, I, am, I imagine my crit fic is that they want you to not be quite sure which it is. But the, the, com the complexities of siblinghood, see, that's just not an elegant word, is it, right? You know, brotherhood in the film is rich and complex, right? So you've got Newton, his brother, you've got mm -hmm. Tina and Queenie, and you've got who is Credence's sibling, and then we've got all these half relations, and, mm -hmm. and, now, and then the film ends with the revelation that Credence's brother 
right? And so we've got Dumbledore yearning for brotherhood more than anyone else, and then he's supplied a brother in the text or in the film. Whether that's real or, or not, I don't know. And so, oh, well, I think I know, but I, we don't know. Um, and so it's actually kind of a rich, uh, siblinghood is really kind of a really interesting, interesting theme. But what, what does it do? Where does it go? And, you know, how is it related to blood? Right. I don't that's know. Um, I just thought also of the, um, the half elf woman. Yeah. How, you know, how does she fit into this whole? I thought she was just a little person. No, it says uh, that she's half elf in in the in the dialogue. It does say um, that. Yeah. And I had uh, speaking of my list of questions, it got longer. Which, why I, can't they just let her be a little person? I never really didn't. She's really actually understand. half half elf, half human. Yeah. Specifically, yeah. like like I guess we probably didn't need that clarified, but that's what the text says. Right. 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 Half elf, half something else. Yeah. I right. don't know. Um, so that, that, that's intriguing in terms of this, you know, um, I mean, you know, I don't consider elf house elves to be monsters, but you know, from a, from a blood purity standpoint, that would be pretty monstrous, um, uh, monstrous combination there. Um, yeah, she, she was, that was kind of, kind of an interesting, she's kind of an interesting figure. I'd like to just, I, I wonder if she's going to yeah. play and if we just heard the last of her or. Um, if she's going to spin out to be important, and we're going to hear more about the story of why why there's a half elf, and if there are other half elves, you know, in this mm -hmm. story, it was just something that was. Um, I, I'm almost, you know, more interested in things like that that seem to work well than the recycling of well, of course, if we're in Paris, then we have to visit Nicholas Flamel because yeah. we already know him and Dumbledore. Of course, he would send him to Nicholas Flamel's mm -hmm. house and yeah. safe house. You know, I'm like. Like, okay, right. yeah, there's the Philosopher's Stone. There it is. Okay, now, you know. I'm more I guess interested in, like, the, uh, the, what people call the, the fan service things of, of yeah. right. putting the references that right. makes Potter fans go, I know what that is. The Quidditch team that flies by, you know, on their way mm. to, the, yeah, to the pit. It's like, I, I like that kind of stuff. It's I'm cool to see, thing. but yeah. I, I could do without it. <laughs> yeah, is that right, Ellie? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of like, yeah. I'm sort of I, I like. There was so much potential with this film. If they had stripped out and made a clean adventure, like one of the things I liked about the Harry Potter books and films is that they were at least the first five or whatever. They're they're mysteries. They're soft mysteries, like the way that Terry Pratchett places in a mystery into a book that's not really a mystery, right? And that's, kids like that, adults like that. And mm -hmm. and we have the roots of that here. They have to all find each other and stuff, but then we're kind of missing that human element of finding and and um, guidance and luck and, and meeting the right people. That, that those meetings just seem kind of awkward and weird. <laughs> and and it's, it's just difficult, yeah. And I, I struggle. I think I'm missing the, the point of view in that. Um, the yeah. I think what she really figured out how to do well was to tell the mystery with you figuring out the steps with the character. Yeah. yeah. Both in order in a way that you solve the mystery in a way that actually is solvable and kind yeah. of makes a logical sense. And also she's able to mislead you with that and to 
make you think the wrong thing at the moment you're supposed to think it and to place all the clues in front of you and yet just nudge your view so much to the right that you miss the essential thing and yet when you go back it was all there um and i think that having i guess newt is ostensibly our protagonist but really like that's not how this works um, we need like six or seven more minutes of him talking to kowalski or whatever his name is um Jacob, like, so building up things like, well, who is it that you really love? And, and like, why are we caring that we hunt somebody down? And, and who's this Lestrange gal? And do you really love her? And like, like, cause we don't know any of those things. And ambiguity is good where she kind of says, I love you. And she looks at both brothers and then mm. dies. Right. So that's interesting. Who is she talking yeah. to? Maybe mm -hmm. she's talking to both. Right. And, but but where is you know is 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 Newt just playing it until he finds out which character dies first and then he'll go for the other one, and this is the I, I think we could use more human. Um, mm. get, we get the frailty and the power in Newt. It's a nice combination, but mm. I think we need the friendship. Um, you know, um, yeah. And he, he's getting some mentorship from Albus Dumbledore, but it's not going to ever be terribly satisfying, is it, with that character? Dumbledore's mentorship is not, by definition, satisfying. <laughs> I would send him back to a training program. Yeah. I actually hope that Dumbledore learns from Newt. I think I see great potential in there. Um, with that, the last scene in particular, you, you see them, you see... You explain what we've already touched upon, the fact that Grindelwald missed the smallest little thing right under, underneath his eye, the Niffler, because he wasn't paying attention to something he thought wasn't important, or someone he thought wasn't important. Um, and I, th I think that care and attention to creatures and animals and to people and people's stories um, is one that I would love to see Dumbledore learn from Newt. Um, I don't know how successful he is when it comes to actually the Harry Potter novels and how he treats Harry because he does still use him to um, certain effect. But I would I see so much potential in Newt being a mentor to Dumbledore. Yeah. Did anyone else enjoy um, uh, Jude Law Dumbledore's? initial meeting place for for himself and and nude on top of saint paul cathedral <laughs> cathedral <laughs> i'm like okay thank you yes yes we know he is a god finger figure thanks right. thanks for that well that's Whereas just I, like, you know i do like a few there's nothing if not extra like no. <laughs> that's like isn't that just four years after chesterton's ball on the cross that that starts and ends on the or starts in the top of saint paul's cathedral is that no right? i haven't read that that's a great reference so, though. yeah, yeah so I, i'm sure that's just i mean it's saint paul's like it's and it's going to be partly bombed out in the war right so this right. is not right part, but yeah right we, we get a nice free blitz view of the skyline mm -hmm. here yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. like it's a it's a beautiful film. Like I, would love to go and and spend another hundred dollars and sit and just let it kind of watch over me. Without critical I, I thought that just in terms of 
visually, I thought it was a big improvement from the first one. The first had a very, like, New York felt very much like a CGI slash backlot to me. Like, yeah. Um, whereas this, I think, maybe being, maybe going to Paris and London, the fact that they kind of had locations that they could really do some filming in rather than kind of try to create it in some, you know, soundstage, you know, in England, um, it had a much, it had a much better look to me in general. I do think I, that the producers of Sherlock, though, could have really helped make this space as part of the essential character. Sure. Right, in the way that that city rings throughout the entire series, right? I think that could be, mm -hmm. be even better done. Like, we land, Grindelwald takes okay. over some aristocratic household, some brownstone in Paris. Mm -hmm. It's just a random brownstone. It doesn't seem to make any difference which one it is. Right, it's right. I should clarify when I say better, I don't mean great. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I still think, and I interrupted Emily, I'm sorry, but I think they could use some help on this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I appreciated how this film, the 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 U.S. was um, definitely more marginal to the story here, yeah. because I just remember the in the first film, although, I mean, over, overall, I really liked that film, and, and I definitely liked it better than this one. Um, I just felt like the like she, she's in trouble when she strays onto U.S. soil because um, there's there's something going on there. Uh, there's some assumptions or, or something, but she just has repeatedly got herself in trouble with perspective mm -hmm. on on the U.S. And I, I didn't the whole there's an overarching message of British people need to come over and fix our our backwater you know views um, you know and our um, yeah, need to solve our problems and then and then go back, you know. So that I, I was I was kind of relieved that we were not. Um, although I don't know, maybe you know we should we should ask uh, um, some French people how they feel about you know sure. some of the lines about you know Queenie saying I don't know if you're just if you're being funny or if you're just French. Or just French, you know. You know yeah. I actually I actually like that line. I was the, I think the one that pointed out last time we got together that I thought it was sort of an anti-American film. The last the last one. Um, and, and, you know, I understand that you want to say something. I think our problem in these films is that she's trying to say too many things. And, um, and, and, you know, there's a story there and she will find the story. Like if this one rocked, if this one did this a little bit, I think it'll solidify over the next couple of films. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll have a pretty good series overall. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, and, and filmmaking's changing. We're being Netflixized, mm -hmm. um, right? Mm -hmm. So the Harry Potter films came on the heels of like the Lord of the Rings transformation, Peter Jackson transformation mm -hmm. of film and everything. And maybe one of the last films in that transformation was, you know, um, Inception or something, right? You know, the, these these hugely or Doctor Strange maybe, but these hugely visualistic films and and um, you know Black Panther has done a good job of it, but it's changing and and the 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 world of filmmaking is changing, you know, with you know with and we'll see what Chronicles of Narnia is on Netflix, but if it's sort of like Anne with an E or you know Handmaid's Tale, like what kind of film is it going to be? I, it's not going to be like these Fantastic Beast films. It's not going to the music score is not going to sound the same. It's going to be darker and more complicit. And so, I don't know. It could be these films are coming a bit late. 
things mm -hmm. are happening quickly. Yeah. Mm. Do, do we think it's a guarantee that we're going to get all five films? I asked myself I mean, that question. As much as yeah. anything is a guarantee, but. Sure. I, I, I mean, it's JK Rowling. I think so. I, I don't. I don't think it's done so poorly that the features and I don't think it did great. Clearly, I mean, it was yeah. had, this had a lower um, opening weekend, I think, than any of the previous Wizard films. But I, mm -hmm. I didn't. I don't remember off the top of my head what the box office was. But I don't know that it did so so poorly that they would just mm -hmm. say, eh, "Never mind." Um, yeah, I could. But be it wrong. wasn't. It wasn't an expensive film. Like I can't remember, but I yeah, don't think it cost that they, much. They definitely made their money back, and then some. Yeah. Um, it was a two hundred million dollar film, and mm -hmm. they've already tripled that at the box office. And yeah. it won't right. really have the international figures for if, if they never have them for a few months. And so right. you're, you're going to get a billion dollars off of this, including syndication and and DVD sales. So that's a five time investment. Is not bad on a soft film. And so, again, right. see and how much is it like about like I, I this bothers me to, in some ways, but it's not even so much about the film itself, but about mm -hmm. like the brand, like mm -hmm. I, and which is a problem. I think then maybe not enough attention is paid towards let's make this film the, the best yeah. it can be, but right. um or or paying as much attention to this is my Marvel. I'm gonna get on my Marvel soapbox. I feel like. Yeah. The, the the tendency is to always be looking to the future, um, and I feel like sometimes that encourages us, the viewer and the filmmaker, to not necessarily look at the thing that's you're working on right, right now or us. that's yeah. out. Right, and how much is it about? And maybe this is getting into that kind of Marvel mindset of it's all about the setup for what's coming, um, yeah. and I think, I think we're losing a little right. bit. Right, and we're losing a little bit of is this film a satisfying experience, sort of on its own, on its own terms, without mm -hmm. waiting for the hindsight of all the later stories. Right, um, but it has to be lucrative, just in terms of the merchandise, the the theme park, the all that stuff. Like, I don't think I really highly doubt they're not getting their money's worth out of it. Right. But that's like, but that's like the difference. So, so you're. The, one of the richest women in the world, you're the most successful author S ever, you know, author, one of the top ones. She can do whatever she wants. And and I'm I'm sure she's still listening if she if she logged in under a pseudonym and Joanne Rowling is still listening. <laughs> Hi Joe. I, I, I would say to you, Joe, um, you know, tell the story that you want to tell. And you know, damn the critics, right? And and forget everything else, and get the the right people to help you make this the best thing. The the Black Panther film is should be, you know, everybody like I think it just got a dozen nods, uh, nominations. Everybody should be rethinking filmmaking at at this kind of fantastic beast scale after that film, hmm. and um and. This could have been that, right? This could have been that level, um, and uh, it could have been that good. Uh, she she's gone to the continent. She can do anything she wants. Europe, uh, it's diverse and and linguistically different and beautiful and foreign to most of the film watchers. It's it's a chance to do whatever she wants. So, do what you want, Joe. 
Kill what you want, but listen to your editors. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I think she needs to be edited, and I think I think what happens when people grow so big is they don't <laughs> <laughs> they don't well, get edited. And, and there's a there's a question there's a difference I think between editing in the writing stage and editing in the editing room because she's being edited. There are scenes yeah. Yeah. all over the floor here, but yeah. they're not resulting in something that makes a ton of sense. It's I think the game. editing needs to fact. happen at the in the conception in the writing yes. stage of how are we crafting a narrative and, and hopefully crafting it in a way that we our solution at the end of the day is we have a three hour movie that we have to cut almost in half. Um, yeah. That's not hopefully the ideal scenario that's going to turn out with something that you know makes sense for the viewer. I believe in you, Joe. Like, like um, I think she, I think like it's going back and forth. I think she, she also read the cursed child, you know, script and it was like, oh, this rocks. you know, like, so I think like, I think it's like, there's this, this kind of thing that takes place. I think, I think she'll settle. Like it's been like if you think artistically, it it it's been a struggle for her since she finished. And even the last mm -hmm. couple books were really difficult um, for yes. her to get get finished. Yeah. Um, I think this has been difficult, and I hope that she finds her. She lands well in the midst yeah. of the right team and the right people. Um, well, and, and it's I have some, her fortune to do it. I have some hope. I mean, I'm, these are not comparable in their quality, but Chamber of Secrets is my least favorite of the books, and it's the second. You know, I think the sophomore slump is a real phenomenon. It really um, is, yeah. and, and hopefully what we see is, you know, you start at a certain amount of strength, you have some growing pains, and then hopefully you steadily sort of work your way up as you as you figure out what you're doing. So yeah. um, I do want to make sure we spend some time on the Dumbledore's end the reveal at the end here, because I, I, we can't leave without talking about, you know, the ending and uh, the question of Aurelius Dumbledore. Um, or as so Arthur, I, Arthur Harrow says, Aurelius Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Oh, really? Is, is he a Dumbledore? Do we believe this? Um, I have uh, the, the next slide, if um, sort of cool, uh, advance to it. Um, I put together some timelines, and there's some funky <laughs> math going on here. Um, where, all right, so let me, let me write this down for you. There's the, time on, there's the timeline on the left, as, as established in mostly the Harry Potter novels, a little bit of Pottermore. Um, on, so in some other places, we have contradictory evidence. Um, we have a prop, which is an official produced for the movie prop um, by Mina Lima Designs, which have apparently done the props for all the films, which list, it's yeah. hard to see on the slide, but they list his birth date as 1904. Um, the birth date Credence? Credence's birth date is okay. listed as 1904. Um, this is directly contradicted by the screenplay, which in that little blue square um, gives you scene 107, interior mm -hmm. ship's corridor, 1901 night. So this is when they're in the ship, baby Credence is about to be swapped and saved. Didn't now, it feel like the first mm -hmm. film was like five years after the war, not 10 years after the war? Did anybody else feel yeah, like- we're It did because Jacob had been still in Europe, but not right. 
for that yeah. long. Right. That's right. Yeah. He right. came home a little later, but not that late. Right. Yeah. So, and then our other kind of thing here is, um, so I guess this picture of Ezra Miller's Credence is based on the screenplay because they have a birth date of 1901. Um, from two years ago, now this was before this film came out, Ezra Miller gave an interview where he said that Credence was 18 in 1926, which would make him uh, 10 years or almost eight years younger than what he's supposed to be in The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, all of this is complicated by the fact that uh, by the late 1890s, Percival Dumbledore is in Azkaban, and a few years later, Kendra is killed. So even for Credence to be 26, which is what he's supposed to be in the screenplay, Percival and Kendra would have to have been together while Percival was in Azkaban, which means he got conjugal visits, I guess. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and then if, if he was supposed to be born before Percival went to Azkaban, he has to be even older, possibly in his 30s. Um, Shrug emoji. What do, we, yeah. what do we do with this? Um, is this again? Are is there method in the madness, or is she this bad at math? Um, is is it is it a lie? Is this evidence that Grindelwald is full of it, and he's telling tales to credence to manipulate and seduce him? Well, the what problem we is he's also telling those tales to us. And, yes. and that's the that's the problem I have with it. Um, you know, yeah. Arthur says, is Grindelwald lying? Does a nargle poop in the woods? <laughs> it's a good question. Like, we don't is know. Grindelwald lying? Yes. Um, um, so, what okay, extent? Can, how big are his lies? I guess. Can I question? Can I share what B. Groves said to me in an email soon mm -hmm. after the film? Um, was released and she and she was looking at the script. I didn't have the script yet, but she was looking at the script and she says, I've looked at the end of the script and I think Rowling might be doing a narrative misdirection with the brother. The brother who who hates him could be a different Dumbledore, no actual proof that it is Albus. So is this two children of Aberforth's flown the nest before he became a barman of whom we've heard previously nothing or could there have been a birth of twins from the teenaged Ariana? Um, if he's her son, then she could have passed on her obscurus. I mean, could that have happened? Um, and she said, ha, if this proves right two years from now, <laughs> she'll be super excited. So I thought those were all interesting yeah. possibilities. Yeah. We're kind of taking us outside of the realm of literal, right. literal right. Albus Dumbledore is his brother. Maybe there's right. another yeah. Dumbledore that is. Another way brother. to interpret that. And right. I had heard that I, that's new to me that he could be Ariana's son with the Obscurus passed on. I've certainly heard, that's a theory I've heard a lot, is that the Obscurus is Ariana's. Whether or not Credence has any relationship to the Dumbledore family, because there are lines in the first film about the Obscurus surviving once the Obscurial dies, and Newt has one in his case. Um, right. He has the, the African girl's Obscurus, yeah. right? So I don't know how long an Obscurus floats around the world looking for a host, but presumably Credence could be the host, you know? And so I guess that could explain um, 
the yeah, idea the of, of this is the twin, this is this is what calls Fox potentially, because part of the evidence is yeah. we need a Dumbledore to call the, the Phoenix in here at the end. Um, and so I those are interesting theories. And isn't isn't the didn't they um, Newt refer or somebody referred to the dark twin, um, the obscurious as the dark twin? Uh, that's it. Yeah, I forget. Grindelwald, who, maybe. I yeah. think it might have been Grindelwald. Yeah. Right. Where right. did the heck, where the heck did the prof prophecy go? So, so when when the thing fails, right? So we're told about the prophecy. Right of um. Right. No, yeah. What, what yeah, I've got it like pulled a, up in a window. Its name is Facus of Nostradamus, <laughs> whatever that is, right? Oh, so, um, no, no, Tycho, uh, Tycho Dodonus. Tycho Dodonus. I know, Dodonus, and I was like, General Dodonus? No, General Dodonus, right. <laughs> Sorry, Star Wars. So, so, uh, so, I mean, this is this is one of my struggles. We're told about a prophecy. Like, to me, Rowling would make the prophecy not come true based on everybody's reading, but really be true on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we want to see this prophecy come true. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't even get to hear it enough times, right? Dumbledore kind of interrupts at one point. Yeah, we only hear like snippets of it. Yeah, and we should see it visually in some way. We should have right. a character kind of rolling it over in their head. Like they should be sealing it in. Um, and so just because it wasn't true of the tomb moment, right, of the, right. the siblings, right. it probably wasn't true. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Like in so Miss rolling misdirection we may have actually a phoenix come to um credence and it not be fox or right you know what i mean so we when we see the phoenix in the next film because it's all built up we're going to see a phoenix in the next film um it may not still be the truth right so i don't know i'm my, my money's on this is not dumbledore's brother um that that we're going to see Grindelwald keep playing this boy until he cracks, mm -hmm. and Grindelwald underestimates some little thing in him that somebody else is able to tap into, Newt, Queenie, something. That's my uh, my money is that that he self destructs rather than causes everybody else pain. But mm -hmm. I don't. Um, um, Arthur says Grindelwald has the Dumbledore blood from the Blood Pact. Is he calling the Phoenix? Although he doesn't have it at the end, right? It's True. it's yeah. taken from him by Newt at that point. So unless he has more of it, um, yeah. or maybe the Phoenix has already been called, and so that has potential. Now, now Dumbledore's to, to cancel what I said. Dumbledore's family is messed up enough to have a brother kicking around. That's um, that's, that's true, although. I, I can buy that just because they're such a scandalous family. I think yeah. what I know has bothered a lot of people from what I've seen is the idea that we get all the way through the King's Cross chapter with no mention. If this is, if, if, if Credence has some relationship to the Dumbledore family, why is um, he not in the series? Why is he not a huge part of that final conversation and reveal? Um, and yeah, is that a, when we finally, if you know, the satisfaction of Dumbledore's sort of confession at the end, is it a setting to think that he's still concealing things at that point? 
Well, he is, right? He says to Lita, let's see, I got her name right. You know, I hear that confession yeah. is good for the soul. Right, I'm told. I'm right. told. Yeah. Don't, don't walk in the way that I walk, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, right, right. but that's in this film, I think. Yeah. Are, are we comfortable thinking that by the end of the Harry Potter series, he still hasn't fully confessed to Harry um, all of his deeper his secrets yeah and we have a dumbledorian problem which is they're holding they're looking at the blood promise and newt says can you break it dumbledore says i'm not sure maybe but should you break a promise hmm. well no he says can you destroy it can you destroy it right but that's to break the promise like should you break the promise well that yeah i mean i think that, that there is like a double entendre there going on with with destroying mm -hmm. it means breaking the promise and and yeah that's that's part of the ambiguity of his response there yeah uh, it's, that's, and it's how a, many it's films will it take to break and of course the, it's, well, except then um grindelwald can attack dumbledore and hogwarts and everything so mm -hmm. you know i think it's going to be more complex than just can i get around the magic that our blood is made. And and I mean, Rowling has put blood at the very center of her myth, death and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Paschal mystery and the giving over of the self and mother's love mm -hmm. and dying for another. Um, right. Yeah. I, yeah well, it's, that, gets, that gets back to the ambiguity of, of the Mira Verised scene of, of the thing that right. he's kind of should do morally and the thing that feels compelled to do in terms of his emotional relationship are inseparable and contradictory. His heart's desire is that, is that memory of himself and Grindelwald making that pact. Yeah. That's, I mean, we have to take that away from him seeing that in the mirror of Erised instead of seeing it in a pensive. That's yeah. what I was like, yes. why didn't we just see that in a pensive? But yeah. I mean, right. I'm answering right. my own question. Exactly. Like maybe there is a yeah. good reason why we didn't see that in a pensive instead. Yeah. Why are, you know, why are, why are pensives like omni, like why are they God's eye views? I don't know. <laughs> I always thought why that too. Why yeah, don't I they have, have a memory seen. through their eyes? Yeah. It, right, yeah. Snape's, Dumbledore's. Yeah. We get to see all those. Well, and see yourself. Yeah, are they? You know, like we saw the one that Slughorn tampered with, yeah. and it was very obviously tampered with. But you know, I mean, we tamper with our memories all the time. You know, in our in our own existence. So, like, you know, I remember things one way, and my best friend is always like, "Yeah, no, you actually weren't like that at all." <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, I kind of have to believe her. You know, so yeah, yeah I, I, I. I do think, I mean, I appreciate in the terms of the story world that she has to have, you know, certain rules, but, but yeah, it does seem like a problematic element for getting at the truth. I don't know. I, she may be stuck. I'm stuck. We'll see. Um, I, I will say um, just on one more note about this, this, this baby um, and Corvus or mm -hmm. uh, Credence or whoever it was, it does say in the shooting script, and again, this is another thing that B. Groves pointed out, um, that it does say that the the kid who got switched, the woman that drowned um, with 
with Corvus, the was not the baby's mother. It was the baby's aunt. I I noticed that as well. Yeah. So so that is an interesting right. that is an interesting okay. possibility, which means so it could be Kendra's child. Well, Kendra and Percival, I guess, because mm -hmm. um, it have to be Percival's because otherwise it's not a Dumbledore, right? Yeah. Um, right. Or I guess it could also be Ariana's, but then the th problem is: is it a great aunt or is it just? Yeah. What's Ariana's maiden name? Dumbledore. Oh, Kendra's, you mean? Kendra. Oh, Kendra's. I don't know. Did we find out? Um. Anybody remember? Do we? Do we get one? No. Why is um, everybody going to America? What's the deal? What's so great about America? I'm texting someone. And and when do we get to Canada? Like, hello. Like, we're, we've gone Harry Potter International. Nothing. Too <laughs> cold. Wizards up here. They didn't even, even the British Empire wasn't cruel enough to send prisoners to Canada, right? You know, it's just. I don't think we get made a name for her. She I'm was surprised. She was, she was muggle born. Yeah, I think we're kind of into into Pottermore minutiae that probably, um, and she was muggle born, so it's probably Smith. <laughs> the muggles just don't have as good a names. Although Riddle's a good name, actually, so. Hmm. Yeah. Harry Potter wiki doesn't have it. No. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. I, yeah, I've asked the, the one question that the community hasn't yet anticipated and, and researched <laughs> to, to the nth degree. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's kind of like, I guess that's, for me, that was sort of my question is where, you know, has she gotten herself into, into trouble? If blood still sits at the center of, as, as the sort of the, the imaginative or theological center of everything. So brotherhood or siblinghood, family relationships, you know, blood promises, you know, death, self-giving, murder, it's all there, right? So um, will this blood promise, like, can it be broken? Are we tied in in some kind of way here? Um, that's the kind of question that I have. And I think in that case, leaving, that's not a bad storytelling motif to leave that open for the next chapter. Um, I don't think we're in bad shape there. I do think she's getting into a corner that she's going to have to figure out how to get out of. So, yeah. But, yeah. Well, and it's a big no. one to, uh, to, to end the movie with a reveal. If, if the reveal isn't, isn't true. true. I mean, the only thing I can think to compare it to is the ending of half blood prince that like, that's the only time mm. where the end reveal turns out to not be what it's presented as. Right. But in that case, I think you have six books worth of clues and character development that in the two year gap, you had all of that to sort of use for speculation. Whereas I don't know if this is like a fake out in the same way. I wonder if we have the same kind of foundation to build on and really parse it through to find mm -hmm. Other than, I mean, we can theorize and take stabs, but but I feel less like we're it's it's less of the are we debating is Snape you know good or not? It's more like we're grasping at anything other than the most literal interpretation of what we're being told. Like, yeah. we, nobody seems to want this to be true. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's totally. more like how can it not be true? It's sort of how what we're all trying to yeah. figure out here. Mm -hmm. The name is interesting because 
you know, Aurelius is like Aura is sort of in the name, but AU is the gold, gold. like the idea of gold. Yeah. Right, and um, there's an there's an alchemy connection there. Yeah, there's like an alchemy Dumbledore's, connection. Yeah, and the salamander eyes apparently. Yeah, that's and, a the and, and gold is used throughout the film as a leitmotif to kind of tie things in, mm -hmm. and so that could be interesting. And then of course, um, the phoenix has gold tinged yeah. back or back feathers or wings. I can't remember which. And so yeah, there something. could there could be that that's interesting. And then Aurelius is a king's name too. So. Mm -hmm. Um, there could be a, there could be that, that sort of Messiah right. connection uh, that right. exists there. Right. But again, if this is all a, a Grindelwald ruse, then he's picking a name that sounds great for the part. That's like right. you're this, this lost, you know, once in the future king of the Dumbledore family that I'll kind of restore you to your rightful place. Are we doing a bunch of work that's really the, the filmmaker's job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I we feel are. like my salary is much lower for this <laughs> podcast than theirs. Just, and you had to spend a million dollars on your ticket. I so, know. Okay. I know. In that's that right. Yeah, it's it's actually in, in, <laughs> it, that's 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 only like ten bucks American though, to be fair. So that's Canadian. <laughs> uh, the uh, um, yeah, I think we're like in. So the question is: Is this a genius we cannot see yet? Uh, right is this um are these gaps and, and my my guess is the latter uh that we're keep we keep trying to find footing for for our role as readers of the film um and as mm -hmm. people that are wrapped up in the story and committed to seeing the story work its way through mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah and yeah, i don't even I think... go ahead kelly oh i was just thinking i i feel like if we have to ask ourselves is this genius that we don't see yet the answer is pretty clear at least to me like i never questioned that i mean sure i was a child but i never questioned that uh, i and i still don't question that about the books that i'm reading that are in process of being written or anything like that it's sort of just movies i feel like film is a different is a different game is is there's they're done for different reasons i think um which may or may not be fair to say um but I think if we ask ourselves, oh, we just can't see it, and we and we have to work so hard to fill in the gaps and so hard to see that there's potential growth. I I think the answer is clear. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Well, Why do I have to I, read a shooting script to to be able right. to answer some of the questions that exactly. I have? It's just absolutely right. bonkers. Especially yeah. when we look at some of these things and see that even within the last few years there are contradictions. I mean, we have right three or four different potential birth years for credence here. And then um, if we can go to the next slide, I think we can put um, McGonagall in this territory too. Um, hey. So we did the math. <laughs> when we were setting up this uh, PowerPoint and according to the math, um, in the flashback scenes of Hogwarts with teenage Newt and Lita, Minerva McGonagall should be negative 25 years old. That's good. Just putting that out there. So I think in, given given that we know there are these contradictions, um, it it takes away a certain amount of confidence when you're theorizing about, yeah. you know, who is Credence really supposed to be? Well, 
his birth date is all over the place and and so is McGonagall's. So what are we kind of, I think it's just more kind of fodder for that feeling of these things are still being figured out. Well, and it wasn't necessary. We don't need McGonagall exactly. there at it's this not, time. We could have another pretty Scottish actress play. Exactly. A, it's a not that it's just role. like being figured out in this moment. It's that it's being thrown in for the sake of being thrown in. I think that's a major fault too that time and time again, these franchises, these phenomenons fall into, they, they fall into just using their own mythos for the sake of using it instead of for any given purpose. Yeah, you know what this is? It's the Saturday Night Live equivalent of more cowbell, right? We need more yeah. cowbell here. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we need more right. links or, back. Or, yeah. la or I hate it on that show when the characters start laughing at themselves. I just can't stand it because, like, you know, more in the seventies, they just never would have been laughing at themselves, you know. And it, it is. It, it was just indulgent to me to have her in there. Um, yeah. You know, kind of. You know, I, I mean, it's like. I, you know, the, the Easter eggs, like, I kind of enjoyed seeing the Quidditch team fly by. And, and I, yeah. I liked our little moments where we were in the everyday life of, of Hogwarts. You know, we, we just yeah. got a little bit of that, you know, yeah. in, in Dumbledore's classroom and, and in the halls and, you know, the student, you know, um, Lita's memories. But, but what I want is I also don't want to see people apparating onto Hogwarts grounds. Like, you know, <laughs> right. is, right. it, is it too hard, like, just establish that as a once? I mean, you know, was that ever a good idea to let people operate on the Hogwarts grounds? Did they only make that rule when Harry Potter came no, to? No, no, it's there? old, and it was said like. Have we not read Hogwarts a history? Her, Hermione right, says. Hermione like, says like about fifteen <laughs> times every. Am I the only one? Yeah. We have haven't, to, and we need the book, and we need to read it, and J.K. Rowling needs to write that. I, I have to say, this McGonagall gift's kind of giving me a headache. Plus, it's spelt wrong, and it's just, you know, it's just, <laughs> she, she doesn't approve. <laughs> We can flip to the next slide if you want. I don't even know um, how to approve myself, right? So, you know. <laughs> well, so. and, and I kind of threw the, um, you know, Dumbledore as um, the precursor to Lupin up there, too, with Defense Against the Dark Arts. Because, again, yeah. it's like, mm -hmm. I, I said this when I saw the, that scene in the trailer. Like, I, I get that there's a parallelism, clearly. And if they... If they want to communicate Dumbledore as a good teacher and their shorthand for that is you're supposed to think of Lupin, I'm kind of on board. Like, um, you make me think of Lupin, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but look, like, there's, don't, I, I think when the fan service gets on my nerves is when it undercuts something that is kind of already important to us or established. And yeah. Yeah. like, it's cool to see McGonagall and it's cool to think of these characters, but are it in doing so, are you sort of taking away from what, you know, was there originally? Like to me, that kind of communicates that the thing I always assumed, which is the Boggart lesson is Lupin's sort of pedagogical creativity that like he maybe thought of a lesson that nobody else had before. Yeah. Now you're telling me that that's been taught for the last 50 years, um, that that's a set sort of lesson in in the Hogwarts curriculum. And yeah, it's, so it's I'm, beautiful. I'm now annoyed. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, a perfect, I had the same thought. I mean, you yeah, just said it perfectly, but yeah. You're right, but it is, it, it is actually one of the better moments of two psychological spaces defined. Newt's fear of going to an office and her fear. Good. 
of whatever that was, right? And it was a very pretty image, the child floating mm -hmm. into the, the sea. Um, and to take that, yes, so so true. it works, except for the fact that now it makes Lupin look like a come along lately. And right. is, that even, is that a phrase? Is that a phrase? <laughs> I just, I just emerged from a Dickens novel there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> And so, Johnny, or like Wild West. Johnny thing. come lately, yeah. John, Johnny, <laughs> yeah, Johnny come lately. That's right. uh, the singing eagle songs now. So. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is a new kid in town, right? right. And so the, um, yeah, but I mean, so so even when something's done really well, we have these these kind of m m moments. It's just. Yeah, I just l would have loved a lot more of that and just kind of slowing down. We almost needed, and this is this is going to tell you where the problem of the film is. What I'm going to the horrible thing I'm about to say is you needed something like a kidnapped child to watch what everybody's doing in order to stabilize the vision of the film through things. You know how that happens, right? How how there's a character and then we keep seeing things based on the reference point of that character. We needed that throughout this entire film. And it, yeah. um, uh, or in like one, in three threads, we needed something like that. Right. right. We didn't have Well, that. and I guess Jacob was sort of that in the first one as the muggle. Mm -hmm. He's sort of the Yeah, that's exactly like, it. He's the Harry. He's the kind of audience surrogate of of I don't know anything about, but this is great, but I don't understand what's going on. So please yeah. explain it to me. Um yeah. and again, like, yeah, he's in this movie, but he's only in like like a tenth of it. You know, it's not like yeah. really a point of view in any meaningful sense. Yeah, no, it's it's a, a lost opportunity for that character because mm -hmm. he has that stabilizing feature. Um, yeah, and then you can like it's like a it's like it's like it's like the blues, right? If you have a great baseline, you can do an awful lot of improvisation. Um, but if you don't have the strong baseline. Well, like it's jazz, right? It's something totally different, right? And then, <laughs> and then improvisation works on a whole different scale. And so, like we just, my metaphor is falling apart. But we just like, I love it. We just we we need <laughs> the we need the baseline in this film. So then Dumbledore can play, and Grindelwald can be weird, yeah. um, right? And himself. The rhythm section was not there, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. There's no there's no kind of we don't have a beat in this film. Well, yeah. that gets back to kind of our original question of I understand that there is duality at play here, but what's this? What's the story about? What's the unification? Like, is, is this Newt's story? Mm -hmm. Is it Jacob's yeah. story? Is it Dumbledore's story? Is it Credence's story? Queenie's story? I think it's the bow truckle. I think it's. <laughs> I think actually the bow truckles defeat everything. Yeah. yeah, that is probably more like the kidnapped child because yeah, obviously right. it used to live on the Hogwarts grounds, and then yeah. that's true. You know, in its neediness. Where do the yeah. live? Yeah. In in trees of one quality wood. Specific, yeah, specific trees. Yeah. One quality wood. Yeah. yeah. And I and also I, saw that. Um, oh, I was just going to quickly say when we're talking about yeah. whose story it is, I was looking up um, like different reviews and things about this this movie, and um, it, apparently yeah, it has been said that that this won't always be Newt's story. Okay. All right. Sure. Like, so, as in he which, might not even be in them? I think so. I mean, I don't think oh, that that's actually going to be the case, but I don't think they're. I don't think he's going to be the central character. And it, it might have even specified this won't be Newt's central, like, yeah, mm, sure. he won't be the central character of the of the series. But, okay um, that, but if you if you look it up, there's 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 actually been said, which 
I think is is too bad because he is such a good character, but um, but very very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and then. at what point do we still call it Fantastic Beasts if it's no longer exactly. a new story? Yeah. This yeah. is like I, I wonder if that yeah. was our if that was our failed space the failed choice to begin with is how do we root all these films? Rooting them to Fantastic Beasts means that there's yeah. this thread. However, an obscurial is is a beast. I don't know. Is a phoenix so is Nagini. though? Is Nagini a beast, right. right? And that's actually right. the the nuance of the the book. And I still don't have my is a bestiary or bestiary. I know that we decided before, but I don't have a bestiary. I still don't have like the big, beautiful leather bound version of Fantastic Beasts. <gasps> I have it with, down there. With, so. Does it have all the pictures and everything? It's illustrated, yeah. yeah. I good. still don't have that. So, so yeah. this like this is it could be that they rooted it to the wrong thing, but it, it could be it could be well well done. Like I think the beasts in the yeah. first film are well done, and mm -hmm. so in this film, yeah. I'll, I'll go fifty fifty on it. I'm waiting on the next one to see. Mm -hmm. I thought I mean at first. Well, oh, go ahead, Emily. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, you know, maybe the aim is for it, I, and I don't think this is working terribly well. If game but maybe the aim is to have the beasts be the the central figures in this but you know th that's really difficult um for a movie made the, for mm -hmm. humans to watch um but i i did notice how many birds were in this particular film and mm -hmm. then i started thinking about birds in this entire thing and and more so than just mm -hmm. beasts i mean there's a lot of beasts in this in these movies but but birds were like overwhelming me there were just tons everywhere you turned there was another bird um, and I, I found that really striking on my rewatch today. Sorry, Kelly, go ahead. Oh yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I just remember when these were first announced and when back when it was just gonna be a trilogy and I just remember thinking, oh, you know what I don't want? I don't want the, oh, these magical creatures are on the loose and we gotta go wrangle them up every time, the, every, every movie. <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, that's just gonna be terrible. And I think Newt's character changed everything for me. Um, I and think now you're like, that's strong... all I want. <laughs> and that's all yeah. I want. I just want Newton for five movies. I'll just, you know, perfect. Just sniffler around. Yeah, yeah, you can have a little Netflix special. <laughs> um, I think one of the strongest for me, and again, I'm so, I'm so, I just love Newt's character, but, and what she, the potential for Newt's character and what she's doing with the magical creatures. One of the strongest scenes for me was his, his home. Um, just as it was in the first movie with his case. You go in and you see the care he has for these animals as he's actually literally caring for a human as well, you know, fixing him with the ointment um, he took care of. That's the only reason he goes into the, the case in the first movie is to get um, the ointment for Jacob to take care of him. And then he takes Jacob along with him and cares for creatures one by one. And then you see an extension of that in this movie his home is built around creatures. It's not the other way around. And they're all creatures who, who need him and want him in their life. Um, and then you go at, see him in the circus and he, he, he's out of the element, just like the creatures are out of their element and yet he can still communicate with them wordlessly, um, which I think is in contrast to the words spoken by Grindelwald. He only has words. Um, and so there's just so much potential for actually using animals um, 
in a very interesting, intelligent yeah. way. Good. Um, and so I, I hope she doesn't lose that. I hope they don't become mm -hmm. just Good. the toys and the and the trappings of the of the movies, but actual plot points as well. And and yeah. Yeah. I'm one over. I'm one to right. your point. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm wary because five movies, but yeah, right. Can I just say though that if if I knew that Accio Niffler was a thing that you could do, <laughs> I don't think that we would have had a first film. I think the first That's film right. would have been like fifteen minutes long because Accio Niffler over, right. over, right. And I think there's over. something on Pottermore about how you can't when people ask like why can't he just Accio all the magical beasts to collect them? She said on Potter, oh you can't Accio doesn't work with organic beings. Except for the, yeah, right, and then and then you have people apparating into Hogwarts. So that that's, that's what I mean. There's so much about the film that I really did like. And then to be fair, they were they were apparating onto the bridge in front of Hogwarts. So well, then I think why couldn't Voldemort have just done that in book six? Right. And there were there were gates when Voldemort attacked. We we should recall. So the gates are put up later, I guess. So yeah, Dumbledore learns from his mistake. I think discontinuity directorship is really the role of all, every fan, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we'll find those. I, I'm one to Kelly's idea of the beast. I think they can be elegantly woven through. I don't think this was as powerful as the first one for that. But if we have mm -hmm. we have a phoenix coming at a critical point, and the mm -hmm. Niffler was turned out to be key in this, mm -hmm. in and the this Raven. Film. That yeah. that Newt, young Newt shows to young Lita and yeah. caring for it and but that's also what draws Queenie into Grindelwald's grasp, right? Is it a raven? Mm, I'm not well, remembering she sees that. His banners have the raven have emblem to yes. call them to their rally, but that's another point of where's the Deathly Hallows? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he's holding one. There's hallows. No, I mean the symbols. Oh yeah. All yeah, over yeah. this book. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Where Did is it? There's also a skull hookah at the top, by the way. <laughs> um, there oh, is. nice. There it is. There it is. But yeah. And there's just hallows everywhere. And um, where's where was my hallows imagery with Grindelwald and his sort of rallying cry around? You know, I mean, maybe that's to come. Maybe that's part of his you know, whole shtick is kind of yeah. the bid towards um, invincibility and immortality and everything. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, the idea of the greater good, but uh, that was, because it was so prominent in the marketing, it was sort of a little strange to not have any homage to that within the story. Um, right. Yeah, I didn't even I think watch it's... the trailer. <laughs> like, how, how far was I protected? Did not see the trailer. <laughs> I saw the Nagini yeah. bit by accident that in the doctor's office. Maybe a good call. Yeah. yeah. So I went in. Keeps totally. you from expectations. Yeah, that's right. Go mm -hmm. ahead, Kelly. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know what I was going to say. It was pa profound. Something about though. the colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're about at two hours here. So yeah. any kind of final things? I did have one or two more slides, but it's nothing terribly important. How about we go? Um, any other things about the. Um, uh, in the next slide, any of the other supporting characters? We kind of went through a lot of them, but anything about Theseus? Anybody care about Theseus? <laughs> Great casting. 
Great casting yeah. with these. Yeah, good casting. Mm -hmm. Again, like it's sort of like an extra character that, like anything that doesn't serve the story is sort of evil, I think, right? <laughs> so I'm not certain that, I mean, even the love triangles, like you even have like his, his helper, right, at the beginning. And it's funny in the film, you could take your shirt off when you go into... You know, oh, Bunty, you know. right? But again, Bunty. Bunty yeah, like, so now we have like <laughs> so how many love triangle, like implicated love affairs right. do we have? And none are fulfilled? Right. Is this what happened? Like, right. no one <laughs> up with anyone? Right. Like, not yet. Well, the Niffler, <laughs> the Niffler had babies. <laughs> the Niffler had babies, but there's not like a Mr. Niffler. There's only a Mrs. or vice versa yeah. running around. So. We only have one adult Niffler at any one moment, right? So yeah. I assume they're mammals, but I, I don't know. And this whole time, marsupials. Marsupials, yeah. And this is just like a gripe with me, but this whole time, I don't think we've even mentioned Tina. And I yeah. feel like for me, yeah. it's because that character just falls so flat. I just, Tina? Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I don't I agree. know what it is. The whole first film and this film did nothing for me. And yeah. we haven't even talked about her because why even bother? She just doesn't do it for me. So and, what, and it's such why, a shame. Why can't, why doesn't Joanne Rowling create powerful witches? She creates intelligent witches and organized witches. And like, you know, Hermione's as important as anyone in the seven book series, but like yeah. as like if we're looking at our power centers, like the the nomad president, whatever her name is, is not powerful in that mm -hmm. sense. She's just she's, a, she does better in this film though. Um, yeah, well, but she's like a no, very brief role. Yeah, I mean, she just says she just cuts through the the you know the the niceties and says, yeah, don't mm -hmm. under underestimate this guy, and that's her major contribution here. But and and here know, we have, we have Lita. Well, I was going to say that Bellatrix was pow powerful, but I think she's... She's just scrappy. She's more... I, she's more um, determined, maybe? She's more just... And obsessive. Obs yeah, obsessive, relentless, yeah. Um, than actually powerful. I'm scared of her because of how she thinks and who she is, but not what because she's, she's willing to do. a powerful yeah. witch. Yeah. Yes, what she's willing to do, um, but not because she's, she's smart. She's no Albus, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's the greatest. But she is serious. Like she's the serious, like she's the equivalent of serious. It's just he, he loses in the duel, right? So she survives the duel yeah. and, and he loses. But I think they're roughly equivalent in something yeah. or other. Right. But, I think Nagini is going to be very powerful. Yeah, but but again, like what we have is the sad loss of the self. Nagini either chooses yeah. evil, like the, yeah. the the woman chooses right. evil, or right. she gets or she turned into a snake, or she gets lost in the serpent. And right. yeah. so, right, right. So either way, we know hers is tragic in the end. Yeah, like her yeah. story and can't be. I yeah. I still think I don't disagree that it wasn't handled well in this movie, but I still wonder what the potential is for Queenie in terms of being right. a higher level player than she might appear to be at the beginning. She's she's an yeah. she's an elegant. Um, she she uses magic elegantly, seamlessly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so if she actually chose right. to be powerful, yeah. Right. And the idea mm -hmm. of, of the natural, like we still, we haven't gotten a real explanation, but the idea that it's implied in the books that legitimacy is a skill, whereas she has it naturally. Um, yeah. That's an interesting, that yeah. sets her apart from like any other character we've ever seen. Anybody yeah. else that practices those things learned that that was a yeah. an ability that they worked for yeah. um whereas she you does it just naturally yeah her, would her that make her would that make her uh does that have anything to do with how grindelwald was able to manipulate her because she was um legitimate like she's sort of like i don't know i was I mean, wondering I about that that's the, the, I don't, again, I don't know that it fully works, but I think that's kind of what they're getting at is, is her empathy extends to maybe everybody, you know, yeah, to a point that horrible. she can see points of view and be perhaps persuaded by them in a way that, yeah. you know, the other characters wouldn't be. Or she's just a blunt instrument. Like look at our, our social moment where we have, you know, people who are so inclusive that they'll make sure that they exclude the very certain people. And we have people who found their religion on love, so loving that it has to hate and deny certain people. You know what I mean? Like, we're in that kind of moment, and so she chooses to, like, go with the person who can restore the relationship that she's just cut off. It's kind of our social moment. It could be an attempt at a, at a cultural criticism that she's offering. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I don't know, um, right. maybe. Right, I, it remains I, to be seen, but I think that's a really good point. Like, you know, Dumbledore, Grindelwald, Voldemort, we have yet yeah. to have any um, Credence you know, characters is, to reach that level of so kind of raw power. That's right. Well, and Credence is, is untapped power. Like when he's given a wand the first time, he blows up a part of a mountain, right? And so... Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, but we have no woman that is on that. Even Harry has this instinctive ability that's not just what was given to him in his, his link with Voldemort, right? I mean, Harry's like a horcrux throughout the, throughout the books. Um, yeah, I said that right. And so, you know, he's like a living part of Voldemort's soul in certain kind of ways, but when it comes to his sheer skill, he's just that, right? He has it. Um, so we don't even have a woman that can do what what he can do so you know the only one that kind of occurs to me that we i feel like we get hints but of course it doesn't go far enough because we only get like the school boy kind of right. time span but there's almost heading that way with Ginny. like there's yeah. references to the fact that Ginny packs a punch mm -hmm. that's yeah. way above what you would imagine yeah. that i i could see it being that after 50 years of practice, she has some sort of kind of raw power behind yeah. her. But whether or not that matches Dumbledore level, yeah. I don't know. And McGonagall too, but... Because it's Matt, like you finish school and then some transformation takes place when you're an adult and it's and it yeah. just takes off, right? Because we're no longer, these films do not put us on a spectrum of power. They put us on that there's a adolescence yeah. of power, that we come into some puberty moment of magical power at 18 or 19 that transforms us to another level. I mean, nobody right. speaks spells in this whole film. 
right? Right, which so, is difficult. Wordless magic, yeah. Yeah. Well, there were I, a few. There were a few. There were a few, um, yeah. And especially with like effects we hadn't seen before. Um, yeah. That was one of the reasons I was yeah. excited that I actually, you know, checked out the the screenplays because I would like to I would like to know what those spells are. You know, they're kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, what what I really missed is wizard clothes. I mean, I loved everybody's clothes; they're beautiful clothes. But I, I don't know why we're not dressing like wizards anymore. I just right, right. Seems like That's so like that clothes Tina wears is so it's so beautiful, and she looks like aristocratic in that coat. But like, she doesn't look like a witch in it. You know what I mean? She looks right. like a, a European, you know, a very fashionable European right. woman. Right. The idea of wizarding yeah. roots is sort of not in the films per yeah. se, yeah. Um, for she the most part. Would. The and they know exactly how to dress like muggles, and that disturbs right. me. Right. Yeah, right. nobody he gets it. Double dressed little three piece suit, you know. Yeah. Right. He Although, goes from that to like flowing purple spangled robes and everything. But how do you how do you film a film on the twenties when you can't stabilize the cities like you want? Right, they're too expensive to do. I, how do you not do the fashion? The fashion is amazing. Yeah. Right. You know uh, the speakeasy in in New York. Uh, in Manhattan that they went to and and uh, the circus here in, in, in Paris. These are great moments, right? So, yeah, I guess so. But even like in the, f even in the film version of the Harry Potters, notice they just kind of have cast the just, robes yeah. over jeans and t-shirts and mm -hmm. stuff. They just dropped that re relatively quickly, wasn't it? Before, yeah. moving yeah, forward. Yeah. They yeah. just sort of dropped it. And, and now I think it would be st almost strange to go back to it. Yeah. Uh, but the adults always um they they didn't they didn't just wear yeah, plain McGonagall, clothes. Yeah, yeah that's a in the books um, I, or in the films Mrs. I feel like they Yeah, Mrs. Weasley is always in muggle clothes. Yeah. Hmm. Muggle clothes, I don't know. I, I would have to go back and look. But her stuff always looked a little nineteenth century to me. Yeah. Well yeah. she's just very sensible. I mean, it's old fashioned, but I don't it's not necessarily yeah. What I think of as described in the book as kind of robes necessarily. They're yeah. sort of these weird old fashioned kind of hybrids. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but, just, yeah, I think was... when and if they ever do anything Marauders era, it better be the most 1970s thing I've ever seen. That would be <laughs> killer. Like bell bottoms, like long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Wizard seventies. Yeah. That would be amazing. Like, basically, how people for it. Just to think about exactly. it. In disco era, wizards could walk around any city and nobody would notice. Nobody right? would know. You know like, I am. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, yeah. That is a cape. That is a cape. That, that is <laughs> yeah. a platform shoe. That's yeah. what that is. Just go with it. Right. Everybody looks like Lando Calrissian. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Everybody. Yeah. Well done. Don't even have to change. They just blend in. Um, well, okay, so I have our final slide is, do we have any thoughts, predictions, what we want to see, what we don't want to see? We've covered a lot of it, but um, the only promise we have from, uh, you know, the word of God here is that answers are given. Um, I guess we, I don't know if we all agree on what exactly the right questions are, but, um, you know, any, any final thoughts or predictions for the future? It's hard to believe oh. that tweet <laughs> from her. The, I don't know. The I don't know if I believe in what she says anymore. You don't believe her. I, I guarantee that, that that is a misdirection. 
Uh, the well, Dumbledore, Dumbledore is has to crisis. Dumbledore has to come to crisis. Uh, like we, the, you yeah. cannot. He has to die yeah. and rise again in his own character in some way. So that has to happen in this film. And before he gets to the point of dueling Grindelwald, that has to take place. There has to be a loss. He has to give something up. Um, you know, I don't think we'll know Credence's true blood next film. I I just don't think we'll we'll have that. But I think we'll see the Phoenix in the next film. So that's my and I don't think we'll know Queenie Queenie's ultimate result, and I don't think we'll know Nagini's ultimate result. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Those are maybe end game questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the ministry will still be useless. <laughs> That's about the safest prediction you can have. So my film, I don't know if it was the same in the United States, but my film actually said Ministry of Magic in the United States. Like American Ministry. And it's like, what happened to Makuza? Makuza, right? Oh, right. And Makuza, it says in Pottermore, is like from like 1600. It's like super. Um, Yeah, so there was a bit of an error there. And I actually looked at some um, screenshots from like some Cyrillic language name Balkan nation or something and and um from the best i can understand the letters they also had the word ministry so yeah so an error there so right or, so more the uh, ministry of magic fails yeah mm. I, I think also like yeah. they they want these films they don't want it to they want very much to echo harry potter i think that the filmmakers are scared that Harry Potter fans won't know it's Harry Potter and that the general public won't know it's Harry Potter. Um, I've heard that from uh, yeah. from people, from one person uh, who knows some people. But I just thought that was like, I think that's very silly because if you're a fan, you just, you know all of this sort of stuff and you don't need the mirror of Erised, you don't need Nicholas mm-hmm. Hamill and McGonagall and Dumbledore and and a visit to Hogwarts and all this sort of stuff. Although I very much like the visit to yeah, Hogwarts. I think we need the Hogwarts, yeah. yeah. I, I think that I, that was one of actually the smartest things that I think they could have done. Um, yeah. seeing I think Hogwarts, Hogwarts will be a character in, in film three or four. I think we'll see. Yeah, those flashback scenes were so good. They felt so there was a moment that you could sit, right, in a, in a in a movie that was so action heavy and and so much going on. You could just sit and feel good about being back in Hogwarts and seeing characters in their robes, and mm-hmm. and also seeing it. You know, everyone who grew up with Harry Potter are now, you know, adults and and teachers in the world. And to see Hogwarts from the teacher's perspective finally is just the coolest thing. Um, so I like that they did that. Even unborn teachers. So. Which is a, a skill. It's a skill. Oh, yeah. she's really good. Aren't even born yet. So was Mad-Eye Moody? Was Mad-Eye Moody? He was actually polyjuicing McGonagall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what was happening. Marty Crouch got a time turn and then went back and polyjuiced Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make um, a prediction. I'm gonna predict that Jacob is gonna break um, Nicholas Flamel's hand another four or five times. <laughs> well, and Flamel comes out of hiding, so maybe we'll see him. Like, 
this is this is one of the questions if if you can live forever do you actually ever live right that's always one of our human questions and so so maybe we'll see him kind of step outside of his state in paris and and play a bit i don't know i like i liked some of the french i liked hearing french language without all of its translation that they trusted mm -hmm. the audience to kind that of was nice. yeah les, les, les no magique i think is the name right. for no matches right. and uh, right. and who who calls muggles can't spells can't spell <laughs> i don't know I think that that's in there. I, I think like, it's can't spells. Is this like Ann Quayle? Something. I don't know. Yeah. Those are the, those that, those are the, the Canadians. Canadians? <laughs> yeah, it's finally Canadian. the Canadians. Uh, although it'd be like can't spell. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. So not that we want to differentiate it all, right? We're a bicultural society. So the it's it's yeah, and and so I I, I like lots of touches. I think. The, will it be as international? I think we're going to slide back to England in this film, in mm -hmm. this next film. Um, but again, like a romp, like you have the whole globe and three films to get back home in. Yeah. Right. So we need to get back to the country English villages by the fifth film, but we don't have to be there right, right away. What do you do? Right, right. We could follow them over to the yeah. Alps, like do a kind of, you know, yeah. Middle Europe adventure. Um, Zachary Komen makes a good point um, that eventually we have to end in 1945. So first film was 1926, second film 1927. There's got to be time jumps in here somewhere. Yeah. So at what point do we start like having significant gaps? It could be this one. Like maybe we pick up with them yeah. five or ten years later. Um, at some some point we have to make up. Although. It, Clearly, the math is not the priority. So, um, yeah. who knows? But <laughs> yeah. we think that at some point there's going to be a time jump in here. Yeah. yeah, of course. Or, but, or I mean, they just not. They just change it because the, the reality is the reason we have films in the 20s is you can't have films in the 30s because they like they're really depressing. <laughs> well, I mean. But I guess that's a question. Are we going to get into some 1930s kind of history parallels? Like we've got like some of the World War II and 20s and kind of rise of fascism. Maybe, yeah. you know, the Depression is a thing that we start to yeah. play with. Well, the Depression wasn't a thing. It was in North America because we had an environmental crisis that went along with the, the economic downfall, right? So the mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, you know, things are a little tight. I think we'll be okay. So I don't think I don't think she'd be aware of that story in the way that we are. Hmm. You know, we're 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 you know twisting corn husks in order to feed the fire, right? right. You know, right. Um, I, that's not that's not the European story. Right. In the same way that we didn't suffer from the war the way that Europeans suffered in the in the war. Sure. So yeah, no, that's those are my predictions. I think this will be a good one. Fantastic Beasts. Hey, here's, this isn't a prediction, but I'll end with a request. Can we have a better title than The Crimes of Grindelwald? That's all I want. I would like that. For the next film, yeah. 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 I want something um, that intrigues me. You know, like, yeah. I think what I, what I loved about the titles of all the Potter books is that they ask a question. You know, you're supposed to wonder what yeah. is the thing that you don't know what's being referenced in the yeah. title. Yeah. want to know exactly. what it is or what's the its relationship right yeah. and and um you know that's fantastic piece and where to find them didn't really do that but it has 
just a whimsy to it that's fun and delightful. And The Crimes of Grindelwald is just kind of literal. And also, yeah. I don't know what it means. Like, Still not really explained. I mean, we know that right. he has like, done he crimes, crime. but... <laughs> Because Which ones? He's not, all of them. Right. right. All like so. I I'd like something a little more evocative from the from the yeah. title department. Yeah, it could be like Fantastic uh, the big bad guy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Gr Grindelwald's you know struggle with halitosis or something. Like, we'll see what yeah. we'll see what the next. See, the problem is it gives us <laughs> the like, missing Dumbledore and the right. kidney stones of Grindelwald. You know, and 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 I do wonder now why I. Are the mythic moments not being linked in more like the like the Deathly Hallows and the mm. you know, well that's um, that'll happen right and right we have to have that symbol and then he's got to you know he's got to start he's got the Elder Wand but what else does he have right. and what else does he maybe the the cloak will come into it um, mm -hmm. this yeah. this next film does Dumbledore have this oh I bet we're gonna see the acquisition of the cloak. Well, yeah. well, not really, because he gets it from his father. He gets it from James, but right. I, I but think we could that Dumbledore is going to see it, and and it's going to be in his hands at some point, and he's going to, I don't know. I don't think that they, after it, yeah. they didn't have they didn't have the cloak. I think, but the stone, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. First I mean, do we you know, know where the stone is at this point? Well, and when maybe we'll know. get some background on both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think they're going to want to show both. Yeah. yeah. That was a cool film moment, right? When they when they did the animation um, in the mm. Deathly Hallows film. Oh, so good! One of my favorite yeah. moments. It yeah, was, was it was really um, a great genre break, and mm -hmm. um, and to have it in the Lovegood's home, I think it, it, that's what it was in the book anyway. It was just yeah. a good moment, and and I um, we're missing those rooting mechanisms and the mm -hmm. mythic connections, and so yeah. I think she'll watch their our tape on YouTube, which for everybody it'll be up on YouTube in a few days and um and then then she'll know what to do, right? She after, has a lot to think about. After hearing us talk and stuff. I actually dreamed I actually dreamed the other night that I was on the plane and I got sat next to Rowling and so I convinced her to do this the a class at Signum University. I thought she'd be doing this lecture. And um because I let her do whatever she the wanted. The just went up. Well, and she, so yeah, tuition's now an extra twenty-five dollars. And so, but she 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 did so she she did um she actually did medieval uh, B series and and like so she did basically medieval backgrounds to um to modern fantasy or something like that. So yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, that's my dream right now. Yeah, that's right. That'd be great. That'd be a great class, wouldn't it? You know, um, so, but she she chose to do it as live lectures and tape them, so we had to change our model. But but I convinced Corey it was okay. <laughs> she could so. do the course on alchemy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can yeah. request the course on alchemy. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, um, qualified. And then yeah. and then that would be about medieval beasts as well. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. It was interesting. Interesting. Salamanders. We we won't really have classes. We have classes on Harry Potter. We won't have classes on these films if they continue the same mold. They will leave us as good films that we enjoyed at one point in our life and we watch from time to time because we love the world. Um, whereas the Harry Potter books still have a substance to them that we can teach them. 
and play I'm with. Actually, yeah, I'm hoping to find substance in, in the movies. Yeah. I, I'm hoping to dig into both. I am looking sure. at Harry Potter, the books, but, um, but I think it's very interesting that she chose to go in the route that she's, I mean, she chose a protagonist that is just so un unlike, I think, your normal fantasy protagonist in that but, he's not the chosen one, he's just some person who cares a lot about creatures of all kinds. And I think that that is um, integral to her stories from yeah. the get-go. And I think it's going to be um, a very important thing in these novels. And that's actually what I'm trying to do. I really want to tie what she's doing in these movies to where she's been in the books and how it's all influencing each other and how one can, uh, looking at one can teach us more about the other. So I'm, I'm really hoping for substance. Is the politics of Middlehead, is that, is that new? Is she a third way thinker in mm. general? Because this is the this is the theme in this book is to neither norism, mm. uh, and we know this well in Canada. That's sort mm. of like eh, you know we're always doing that, right? So that's our default. That's the problem, right? We always have to check ourselves for safety. But but she's really advocating for. Remember the middle head, and Tina mm -hmm. says, is, yeah. "Are you the only person that this says that?" Right. Well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and so um, so she, so is that her? Was that her? political or, or social space when she wrote the books, or is that something that's developed in her, mm -hmm. Kelly? Actually, I don't know what your middlehead, I'm sorry, oh, I don't know what that. She, oh. so, so, yeah, Tina, he, he says to Tina, Oh, Tina said, I don't remember. He says, you've remember. gone middlehead, which is a reference to some three-headed creature where oh, middle oh, is. Right. Because he say the, he he called the voice ours. of reason and and yeah, she's not just a careerist yeah. basically. Yeah, right. you've got middlehead. It's the expression derived from the three heads of the runespore. The middle one is the visionary, and and the other two. I'd have to look that up. Like yeah. One like kills, and one questions or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. I'll right? have to look and, for that. Yeah, and so every aura in Europe wants Creedence dead, except you. You've gone middlehead. So, and I think that's that's actually a really important clue yeah. to how she sees the way mm -hmm. through the social I moment. Do think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, I you know I don't I don't do sides, but then also choosing a side and then yeah. yeah. I don't know that it was authentic, but it was a way I think for her to approach that yeah. that middle way. And what does it mean to choose? You know, Britain's. The UK is having this like a similar crisis to the United States in social political spacing. It's just yeah. different. It feels different, but it I think it feels like a crisis to them in, in a similar kind of way. And so I think we're seeing that come out in these, certainly the last film and, and maybe in this one. Yeah, she's certainly very vocal about um, her opinions. She is on her, Twitter. So, but yeah. what does it mean to choose a middle way? to hold the complexity together, to have wisdom and still end up choosing a side, right? That's a really interesting yeah. social um, something or other. Yeah. Yeah. Should be interesting. Awesome. I, well, there's potential. I think we can all agree, like there's a lot of potential for, you know, the next three movies now, so. Mm. I'll get to work. <laughs> Call us, Joe. Um, <laughs> Do you want to teach, or do you know? 
We, I think it's I, you get a couple thousand dollars actually if you teach. So uh, I'm sure she'll be attracted by the PayPal. Yeah. So. All proceeds go to Lumos. So. Uh, <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're about two and a half hours, so we should yeah, let you guys go. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks to everybody fun. who came throughout the whole year. And um, Emily, are you going to sing any Christmas carols for us? No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still Advent in my world, so not not for a while. Not for a while. Not for a while. You got the whole rest. Of the month. Yeah. Only in rehearsal. Only in rehearsal. Rehearsal. Big day's coming though. <laughs> so we we cross our fingers when we sing our. I'm really sad. There's the no world. Christmas movie this year. There's no big blockbuster. People can send send me tweets on what I'm supposed to take my family to at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or should we just like hole up in our basement and watch Lord of watch the Rings? Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Yeah, watch the <laughs> Harry Potter. I've I've never sat down and watched the twenty hours of Harry Potter all in one go. So yeah, neither have I. Neither have I. It's probably a good reason That's not to. Everybody's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Aim high. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you all for coming and happy holidays. And we'll see you guys uh, at Movie Club in 2019. Excellent. Good night. And to Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye.